Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. Because of the demand for staff, that's why you see a story in The Independent this morning saying that workers uh, will be offered pay increases of up to 20% in the private sector um, in a bid to try and attract uh, more talent. Now, it could be averaging anywhere between 5 and 10% but as high as 20% for people with niche skills. And there's um, an awful shortage now because we're not getting as much international talent coming into the country because of the pandemic, apparently. And that is putting more upward pressure on wages, according to the Irish Salary Guide that's published this morning. The Independent picks up on it. Uh, Salary increases uh, on the way, assuming that employers can afford to pay it. I don't know what happens then. And then as public sector employers, uh, the state will see public sector workers working shorter hours. And uh, Leo Varadkar uh, says that uh, it's only fair that they should work shorter, apparently, because apparently they were working an hour and a half or two hours a week uh, for free because uh, some of them should only be working a 35-hour week and others should only be working a 37-hour week. Um, So a 35-hour week could be on the cars for lots more. But he's saying one concern that he has with public sector workers working less hours is it will have an impact on services. And if we're struggling already within the public sector, whether it's frontline or admin or various departments, and we deal with it on the air all of the time, surely that's just going to get worse now and it'll have a more severe impact on services if staff are working less hours and they're not hiring more. But we all need to get back to work, if that's, uh, that's for sure. And with that in mind, the Cabinet will probably sign off this morning on changes to restrictions due to either being a close contact or indeed being a positive uh, COVID case. And all of the papers have it today. Uh, the Mail this morning sums it up in the first couple of paragraphs. I'm not going to do in too much detail because the more you talk about it, the more confusing it comes across. But it will mean that hundreds of thousands of people who are deemed close contacts of COVID will be able to just go back to work when the changes are made today. So it's a big shift. Let's say, for instance, you have received uh, your uh, your vaccine and your booster. You won't have to uh, isolate if you don't have any symptoms. You'll be asked to do regular antigens, but you'll be just allowed to get on with your life. You might be asked to be very careful with the uh, with mask wearing and things like that. So that's going to be the big change. Close contacts who've received their booster vaccine and who don't have symptoms won't have to isolate. Another change also of interest is that the isolation period for everyone who actually contracts COVID will be cut from the 10 days to 7 days. And it won't matter or not whether you've had a booster. So I'm not going to say any more than that because the more you go on about it, the more confusing it will sound. But there are some of, there's like two, perhaps three major changes today uh, and I've outlined them this morning, uh, particularly the no quarantine if triple vaxxed and no symptoms. Uh, papers also this morning talk of the fact that maybe 500,000 people could have caught the virus in the past week. Such is its prevalence. Um, and that's not just here in Ireland. They're figuring that it could be the case in many European countries that their numbers are much, 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 much higher uh, than, say, for instance, has ever been reported. So the red tops and the courts, uh, the, the, the uh, papers pick up on that this morning. Uh, Novak Jacob, he, I mean, he's known as the Joker, uh, but I suppose... The joke is kind of wearing off now because uh, he's back in the news, Djokovic, with regards to the form that he filled out um, when he was uh, applying for a visa to come into Australia to play the tennis. Now, um, uh, the papers this morning are saying that he could face jail because of claims that he lied on the visa form. Now, 
The only thing about this is that he may not have filled the form out himself. Now, it's an online form and you can do it online, apparently. And it could have been a staff member of his or a team member of his that actually filled it in. Problem being, uh, two things. He didn't answer some of the questions honestly and correctly. One fact that we know is that he did a, a media interview the day after he tested positive and didn't say it to anybody. And also he answered the question, will you be traveling anywhere in the two weeks before you come to Australia? And they ticked the no box to that, but actually went from Spain to Serbia, uh, back to Spain and then flew to Australia. So on that basis, that could get him into trouble and the chances of him playing in the Australia next week are getting slimmer and slimmer. In fact, that's why the papers this morning that he could say he could face jail. Here on Side, we'll be drilling into publicans and pubs in the coming days. I'd like to talk to more publicans in the coming few days if possible and we'll start that this morning uh, with regards to the 8 o'clock closing. It's interesting, the Echo says that the boss of the Shelburne Bar, Philip Gillivan, says that he thinks they should be able to serve outside normal trading hours, outdoors, none of this 8 o'clock outside, he's saying. And Colm O'Connor, who runs Costigans on Washington Street, said he thinks the restrictions to closing times should be relaxed slowly. Uh, does 8 o'clock make any sense? We'll be asking that question a little later on this morning. And there's still endless confusion with regards to the leaving certificate. I know I did a lot on this over the past couple of days, but it makes the times again today because the state examination commissioner is saying that they wouldn't recommend and it won't be possible to do a hybrid leaving cert exam, which would be uh, um, a choice between credited accredited grades and setting the written exams. But there are also, and that, of course that's related to the pandemic, much to do with uh, the parting that goes on um, on both sides of the Irish Sea because Boris Johnson's in a lot of hot water about the events of last May and whether he and his, he and his wife were actually at the garden party or not. And everybody is clamouring to ask to get Johnson to say sorry, to admit that he was there. And uh, he is just not at all interested in saying anything. And they say that he's hiding behind this uh, internal uh, political investigation into it. Uh, but we had our own one as well, of course, where we had Irish civil servants snapped at a COVID rule breaking bash and quaffing champagne in the Department of, of Foreign Affairs. Uh, and that makes the papers this morning with the red tops dealing with it. Uh, the Sun this morning says at least six of those at the COVID breaking bash have been promoted at the Department of Foreign Affairs, and that's an interesting one. On Lee's side then, um, there was a council meeting last night where they were told that there is an in- there's an increase in refusals of homes offered under the choice-based letting scheme, that more people than ever now are actually refusing and turning down houses that they're being offered. Uh, and um, the stories picked up... Um, Uh, by this morning's Echo, where they quote Fianna Fáil councillor Terry Shannon. He says, in what we're told is the middle of a housing crisis for people to be refusing homes, many of them at the very last stages, when they've first of all bidded on the unit and have gone right through all of the various interviews and guard vetting, and then all of a sudden, at the very last, to refuse the house. I mean... I don't understand it. Um, Incidentally, also, uh, the examiner carries a story today on an interview that I did with uh, Ken O'Flynn some time back, the Cork City Councillor. Now, that interview then became uh, the subject of a complaint by the Cork Travellers Women's Network. It had to do with um, the Spring Lane halting site at the time. And it went to the Broadcast Complaints Commission. And there was a hearing regarding that. And the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland um, partially upheld the complaint against the show uh, for that segment, that interview with Ken O'Flynn. They deemed it that we, that uh, the interview 
uh, and I and Ken O'Flynn and the actual content of the interview stigmatized travelers in the conversation and the questions and answers regarding the topic of, uh, of, of Spring Lane. So that makes this morning's uh, examiner where they say Neil Prendival show stigmatized tra- travelers according to the Broadcast Authority of Ireland. Also, um, you may have noticed that there are fewer and fewer secondhand cars on the market these days. Um, I can't understand for a moment how, if somebody could please explain to me, how, even with the shortage of second-hand cars, how could some second-hand cars be now more valuable than their new counterparts? So the new version of the car is cheaper than the second-hand version of the car. I mean, that's mind-boggling. According, apparently, Dundee have some report out saying there's such a shortage of second-hand cars um, that uh, the, the prices have gone up by, I don't know, 50 or 60% on a second-hand car. It's astonishing. And also, listen, there is good news. You're going to get an extra bank holiday um, next year. It will fall around the St. Patrick's weekend. In fact, it will dovetail onto March 17th. So March 18th will also be a bank holiday. So you got not just one, but two. And Elvis Costello has asked radio stations to stop playing Oliver's Army. He doesn't want them to beep out the offending line in the chorus, he just wants them to stop. Um, he has cancelled it himself. He says he's never singing it again. If you know the song, uh, you'll know that it has to do with the troubles in Northern Ireland and it has a racial slur in it where he uses the N-word. So he ain't going to play it anymore. He thought about changing the lyrics of the song. He decided not to bother and he's just come out and said, it would be even worse if you bleep the song. So for God's sake, just don't play it anymore and he won't be playing it neither. And we did a lot on best before dates on the show the other day, particularly with regards to milk. There's more on best before dates in the sun this morning, which I'll come back to a little later on. But one interesting story. If you chop onions and you are one of those people who just absolutely balls with tears because of the onions, there's good news for you. There's a new onion now developed. It's called a sunion. It's called a sunion. And for those of you that have tried all sorts of tricks at home to stop the tears trickling down your face when cutting an onion, a new super sweet version of the onion, the sunion, is the first truly tearless variety. 25 years of crossbreeding onions, apparently. And they eventually have come up with one that won't affect you in the tear department. I don't know um, about that. Uh, I mean, like, like, you don't want... Uh, a, uh, an onion that's sweeter than the onion already. I mean, you know, like you're going to turn it into an apple at some stage. I mean, people um, have come up with all sorts of ways of, uh, you know, avoiding the tears. And some freeze the onion first. Others chop them under running water. Other people wear swimming goggles. Um, and another person even said, keep a piece of bread in your mouth while cutting it. I mean, perhaps you've got one or two tips when it comes to um, peeling or indeed chopping an onion. And I don't know whether it will ever happen here, but in the UK, they are banning ketchup sachets. I'm delighted, actually, because I can never open the goddamn things. And then when I do, there's an explosion. And it's all over my hands and the table and everything. So they're gone. It has to do with reducing plastic, not just for ketchup, but for mayo, for vinegar. They call them condiments, don't they? Mayo, vinegar, mustard, ketchup. Um, but the sachet is gone, lads. The Neil Prenderville Show. Uh, the double, you're saying the double bank holiday is this, oh yeah, for God's sake, it's 2022. 
Sorry about that. <laughs> my head. And and my four-year-old and three-year-old also have trouble opening the ketchup, so you're, you're in good company. It's unreal, isn't it? And <laughs> as, as I'm getting older, uh, I don't know why, because I'm as fit as a butcher's dog, but I'm having more trouble these days opening jars. Why's I that? Know. Well, you know, I, I learned to hack on that. You know, do you just get a, a sharp knife and, and pop the, the middle of the jar and it opens. Amazing. The downside to that yeah. is the food then will perish faster because there's air getting into it. Ah, yeah, but like, oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm kind of just thinking of You can bang a hole in the top of it for sure (laughs) with a knife, but (laughs) you're going to get green furry stuff in it faster then. I I have to say I have no problem opening jars. I have a really strong wrist for some (laughs) reason. That's what it is. I mean, it's if my wrists are going or what. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't get the ketchup thing myself. As I say, the three and four-year-olds have issue with it. All right, but I don't. But don't you find that the ketchup sachets where they say tear here, they don't work. You have to do it with your teeth. I, I don't know. I've, I'm only thinking uh, the only time I'd ever have them, which would be rare, is a McDonald's, and I have no issue because it's kind of at the side. But just to correct you again on something else, oh, what the a double start. bank holidays this year. It's the 17th and 18th of March, so we have a nice. I forgot it's the Saturday new year. Yeah, I, uh, exactly. I got it into my head that March is next year, I but know, it's actually in two months' time. I'm still back in 2020, and then St Bridget's Day from next year, which is the first of Feb, will be a bank holiday every year. Oh, so it's only this year they're giving a double whammy at St. Patrick's and yeah. then changing it from next year. Yeah, that's ah. it. Well done. You've been very good for the last two years. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Off you go now. Here's a day for you. <laughs> Lines open. You can text 086-8104-106. Pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. And as I said, I want to talk with publicans in the coming days. And what better way to start with regards to publicans and how they're finding things than with Paul Montgomery um, from Clancy's. And he joins me on the phone. Paul, good morning. Firstly, as, a, as an aside, do you have any opinion at all on these bloody ketchup sachets? Is it better that we see the back of them and go back to the old-fashioned bottles, or what's the story there? Because I'm damned if I can open them. I, I kind of lost you there, you know, after the onions, I kind of tuned out. <laughs> I must admit now. Even, so. Anyway, you are saying batten down the hatches. It's going to be a rough ride. You said that up to 70 to 80% of your business was decimated. Are you talking about um, Clancy's, King's and Conway's Yard, all of them? Yeah, well, if you, if you, take, the, if you take the trade as a whole in the city, and I suppose our trade reflects, I think, most, you know, most places. And we're fortunate enough to still have a certain amount of footfall in the city, but um, two out of our premises, we've, we have, we've had to close them down and it just wouldn't be viable to open. So um, what is that? Would that be Conway's and, uh, and so Atlas? Um, um, uh, on, on Princess Street, we have King's at the top of the street near the South Mall, which we only opened last year as a, as a restaurant. And um, then we have Atlas and Marlborough Street, which is adjoining Pences and Marlborough Street. So... And even that has a good street um, scape and has good, you know, street business ahead during the summertime. But obviously with the wintertime, it's a bit different, you know. And um, with all the do's and don'ts, we can't, it's just not viable to keep them to keep them open even with, with support and everything else. So, And a lot of it is natural footfall um, that you don't have in January and February. But there's no doubt about it um, from Christmas time from the 20th of January when hours were reduced more people were told just not to come into the city and they were told not to socialise and not to come into venues and you can't blame people for um, through Christmas and even now yeah. that, are, that are, are still quite quite afraid and people are listening to the public health advice and are every age so you know those, it's the perfect storm to keep people away from, from But did it, not, did it not mean for people who wanted to have a few pints and I suppose the, during the week is different to the weekend but did it not mean that they just came out earlier no? 
Well, to a certain degree, Neil, like you, you, you'll have, um, I mean, people, people are, the holiday season is over now, so you're, you're not going to get anybody coming into um, Princess Street or even on Oliver Duncan Street and wanting to go for a couple of drinks at three o'clock in, in the daytime now. No, no. So, yeah. You know, I mean, the streets and the shops are quiet. I mean, you look up and down the streets at the moment. I mean, we'll, we'll get a bit of a burst from students coming back again next next week and maybe they'll come out to be there there. But um, in general, people have spoken with their feet and they've stayed at home. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much now. It was interesting last night and, and Monday night in Kansas and even kind of there was quite a few younger people out and I think people are trickling back maybe for the universities. Yeah. That's, that's good. And people going out for food, we've, we've certainly have a good food trade still and we're very pleased with what we have. And... Um, but do you, do you do you think that there's reason or sense or science behind the 8pm closing? Because not all publicans do. In fact, one or two are saying we really need to start slowly relaxing it, get it back to 9 or to 10 or 11 or come back to some kind of a plan. I, I, I don't see why, you know, especially since the UK have proven that they have rode the storm. I mean, they haven't reduced any hours or have any cutbacks and, or any restrictions in the main. And we follow them in so many things that I, I don't understand why we haven't come out. I mean, we're very quick, all of us, to announce the restrictions and we're very quick to pull it back. We seem to be always behind the curve then in, in, you know, in giving us back the hours. But do you think it was right to go to 8 o'clock? Well, I suppose, I, you know, I, I, I know what COVID is like and we all know people who've had it and everyone has been affected, so... I mean, I'm loath always to question any of the medical advice because that's not my first day, but I do think that we got a decent Christmas out of the business up to 8 o'clock. I'd accept that. And it was worth trading with the supports that, that are there. But, I mean, we're in well into January now and there is no reason that we can't go back at 11, 12 o'clock. In our trade, like, you know, like we have seen over previous years that up to 50% of our trade would be after 10, 11 o'clock at night time. So, you know, especially in January and February. So, like, you are... It, it, I don't think it's viable for practically any business to be open at the moment in, in our trade. I mean, I heard even Claire Nash talk on the radio two or three days ago, and she's saying the same. It's not viable for her to be open late. I mean, across the whole spectrum of pubs and restaurants, 8 o'clock which is effectively 7 o'clock last hour that's right that's, that, that doesn't reflect people's social habits of course at all so yes. you know you're, you're taking a last drinks order food order maybe 6 o'clock I mean, that's what you're talking about I mean the 8 o'clock is a misnomer you know it's, it's effectively 6, 7 o'clock is what mm. you're talking about mm. so, and does that, does that mean that those the restaurants and the pubs that closed are better closed because they would get more assistance from the state by way of the EWSS and what about the staff? Well, the, 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 the staff, I mean, it's been quite painful for us to have to ask people to go on um, PUP and put on people on temporary leave. And it just doesn't pay to keep your venues open because you'll, you'll get certain benefits, but our cost base is still pretty much the same. I mean, banks have to be repaired. Um, you but know, it can't be if you're not getting stock, for instance. So they would have well, to reduce, wouldn't it? Well, well you see, in any decent-sized venue, it's going to be costly to open. You know, I mean, everyone knows that. It doesn't matter. Once you turn the lights on and you, you ramp up the machine every day, you have to, you're going to be incurring costs. And, I mean, everyone in our trade has borrowings, and they still have to be met. I mean, there is no... 
um, leeway from the banks. There is no, I mean, the supports are minimal. That's the that's the fact. And like, we have to get real in our industry. Ah, uh, yeah, but staff costs would have been would be way down. Food costs would uh, be uh, way down. Uh, Drink uh, purchases uh, would be way down. Yes, I mean that, that that's that's there. But I mean, the trade is also you could be at ten percent of your normal trade at the moment. So I mean, like it's fairly relative, you know. So. There, there's, there's no unless unless our trade has a decent fight on Saturday night, we're at nothing. And I mean, we have to get back to that very soon. The maths are very simple. If we don't have later hours opening, especially the weekends, like we like we won't even survive, and trade won't survive. I mean, we're heading very quickly. You're coming to spring into Patrick's Day and onwards. Where traditionally we we do trade, and we need to be having our tourists and our visitors back. So we need to be giving the message out very soon that hours will be extending and we'll be ramping up the trade. Yeah, well, he, 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 Michal Martin did rule that out in a question that he was asked there the other day, not in the, not in the short to medium term, I think. Um, also, of course, we also heard that um, the numbers that we're hearing out with regards to positive cases, if we're saying twenty to 24,000 a day, that's wildly inaccurate. They're reporting it could have been as high as half a million last week. It's an astonishing yeah, the, number. Well, the, the one thing about all that is, of course, is that we see that our staff, we had a lot of people out with COVID at Christmas time and the first couple of days of January, but they're all back now. So, like, you know, my own doctor, Andrew Cosby, tells me that those 60,000 requests a day for, for PCR tests, or if, if you take it that all those people have been infected and are coming back into yeah. the workforce and back out there, that's hope as well. And the other side, because there must we must have millions of people through Omicron now at this stage so but I I'm you know I, I think that we have people okay we have a lot of people in PUP but people want to work and people want to be back at work and the, the danger of course now again is that we're at the fourth or fifth wave of putting people in PUP and losing people in the industry so and as you lose people in the industry then does that mean the people that you're recruiting are, are very raw or untrained or not best suited to the job of course, yeah. I mean, like, there's a whole training piece that, you know, there again, but, like, it's even disappointing this morning talking to some of my own team saying that who's going on the PUP extra and that, and, and I'm going, you know, we, we really would love those to stay working, but, like, we can't give them the hours and you can't blame them and some of them are in college and doing masters and everything else and I think they make their decisions now for the rest of the year and they're saying, look, we can't be starting back and forth with no certainty going back. Yeah. And, just it's disappointing. I, I, you know, they're getting all the jobs in other places. Yeah, of course, you know, and and there there is other work out there, and people just change their mind and they just get demoralised, and it's just hard to change that. I mean, we we'll, we we'll do our best. We have our own team meetings, and we try and keep people keep people's spirits up and promise them, you know, things will get better. And we want people coming out, and we we'll go on our own. We have initiatives, you know, right throughout the next few weeks to even encourage people to come in to us, you know up to the six, seven, eight o'clock piece. So that will that goes without saying we keep doing that, but there has to be a clear roadmap coming back now and I think every other country in the world has a roadmap to get back to trade, give us back a couple of extra hours now, up to ten, eleven, twelve o'clock at night time. We've got to start building this back up again and nobody's talking about it now. I, I even fear our own industry. There's nobody from our associations even talking about giving us back the hours and you asked me earlier do I think it's the right thing well I certainly think it's the right thing now whatever about putting us back into 20th December it's the right thing now to start letting us trade a bit longer especially into the weekends and with so many people having contacted the virus contracted now we should be able to allow people back out again that have been through um, COVID and 
it should make for a better base of customers for us and a safer base of customers. Okay, okay. Uh, just on a, one point in that regard, Philip Gillivan up at the Shelburne Bar is saying that they should be able to serve um, until the old closing time outdoors, say that could be 11 o'clock or midnight or whatever, outdoors um, and we and we know that there are a lot of pubs and restaurants with very good outdoor facilities with heaters and everything is that something that you would think should be suggested or, or rolled out outdoors should go back to a later closing yeah. I mean any, anything you know you're, you're, you're probably have a bigger public order issue that, that we saw last year you know whether it's Kennedy Key or whatever I mean that's that's something that I'm not sure if the Gardaí would, would welcome it but I mean anything would be an improvement to say okay Let's start cranking up the machine again and let's start getting people out and encouraging people to go out rather than the message now all the time saying, don't go out, don't go into pubs, don't go into restaurants. But shouldn't you be encouraging them anyway with with special offers or two-for-ones or some kind of deals? Yeah, well, we're, that, that's happening here and, and, you know, right throughout the next week onwards, we will be encouraging people, you know, especially as the colleges come back. But that, that, that's, that's not necessary going to work if the chief medical officer is still saying to people don't don't go out or don't go into venues that narrative needs to change straight yeah, away okay all right listen i'll stay in touch with you good luck for uh, the uh, future let's see what happens um you you are open um yes. of course and you're also doing takeout i believe right yes we'll 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 do everything we can to to make a few bob and keep the doors open we can certainly say that all right thanks for now appreciate taking the call paul montgomery's got four establishments in the city clancy's king's conway's yard and atlas on marlborough street lines open you can text 0868 104 106 we'll pick it up after the break text the neil prenderville show now 086 8104 106 red fm and people are texting on different topics that we deal with we were chatting yesterday about mispronunciations of words on lee side and i gave you a few of them bob says the word drowned it or he died it uh, the other one was I folly Liverpool or I can't swally that uh, years ago my dad could not say burger he was always asking for bun burglars in the chipper <laughs> love a bun burglar also don't forget hostable I had to go to hostable that's another cork one and then a lot of people were texting with regards to uh, the changes in the lotto and a selection of those uh, that you can't book in but you know get your lottos in advance maybe two games in advance uh, did you not know that there were four lotto winners in cork last week don't think you mentioned it and two of them were in the one parish one at McSweeney's shop in Crookstown and the other at Crowley's shop in Bailna Blaw they got 26 grand each, says John. Happy to pass that on. Uh, I work in Tesco. The reason you can't buy future draws with the Irish Lotto is because it's not being won. This came into effect the other day. It will change when I win it, I'm sure. Why would the fact that it isn't being won allow people to buy a Wednesday and a Saturday in advance? I don't quite follow that. Um, and then other people wondering with regards to all of the changes uh, regarding uh, vaccination, PCRs, QR codes, positives, close contacts. Is there any truth in the rumour that St. Peter is checking for COVID passes when you arrive <laughs> when you arrive at the pearly gates another person then isn't terribly happy with our students, amazing how cold all the students are in school wearing their uniforms but when they come home they're walking around the area they live in wearing shorts ankle socks and a hoodie at most, they never seem to be cold then with regards to their fashion statements outside of school, 
the mind boggles. And then a lot then with regards to reaction to uh, the leaving certificate itself. My daughter was in leaving cert during the first lockdown. She and all her school pals were so stressed over what was going to happen to them, uh, sitting the exams and worried or not whether they could get enough points to get into college. Happily, I can tell you, she got her course. I don't agree with giving all the Leaving Cert students a place in college without sitting exams. If that's the case, it should have happened to the two sets of Leaving Certs over the last two years. Yeah, and, you know, if that were the case, why not just give all Leaving Cert students a college place regardless of an exam? Give them the opportunity if they so choose. My daughter's in Leaving Cert class. She was always a very academic student. Not a genius, but always did well. She loved the routine of school. She did very well with online school during the first lockdown. But the difference in her since back to school now is disastrous. The interest is just completely gone. At 17, to have to get a journal signed just to go to the toilet is ridiculous. They're constantly having free classes because the teachers are out. She's been working part-time in a hotel since the summer. And to be honest, I won't be putting pressure on her for the leaving certificate. How can they have any chance when classes are cold, teachers are missing, and a mask is worn all day? She knows she can only do what she can do. Life is too short to be putting pressure on them. And there's many more like that, which I will come back to throughout the course of the morning, I promise you. But back to the phone lines we go. James is standing by. Onor is standing by. Noel first. Noel, good morning. Morning. Okay, you got. Thanks for taking the call. You got a text from the HSC on the 9th of January saying that uh, your PCR what was positive. That's right. Okay. All right. And you haven't been outside since then. What's the so? What's the backstory to this? Well, I wasn't outside the door on that day to get the test done. So it wasn't you. I got a text saying that uh, you. You visited the text centre on the night of January and uh, you were in the text centre and you'll have to be tested positive and you're to stay indoors here and uh, and the text it says such a name and you're eight years of age and five from here anyway and uh, you tested positive and to stay because you're a high risk and uh, stay indoors until, uh, and if you'll be very sick, get out your GP. Yeah, then that's all very well and all good advice, but it's not you. No. Did you ever go for a test? No, never. You weren't even outside the door on the 9th of January? <laughs> I wasn't even outside the door. <laughs> Did they get your name right? No. Okay, so, but they got your phone number somewhere. Yeah, this this is the thing that's bothering to see because uh, how could he get my number? This is this is the thing that's uh, it's annoying about you see. Uh, just, how could another person get my number? Well, how could the PHSE send me a text, send a test? Uh, and what about the poor misfortune that did test positive and is walking around unbeknownst to them? That's right. I said that from when I eventually got on to him yesterday. Oh, did you? And what did they say? Well. Number one, the first girl couldn't answer me. She said, uh, I'm only here to take cards. And then eventually I got into another girl. And she said, uh, maybe another girl. So I said, that person's walking around. So. And also wondering, wondering why. And they're also, that person is also wandering, wandering around, wondering why they never got a result for their PCR test. Yes. And they're walking around thinking they're probably okay. What, how did you how did you react yeah they probably how did you react when you got this text saying stay indoors 10 days well I don't know how would you get my number 
I've no idea how that happened. I mean, it's not a manual thing. They don't they don't dial or bang in the text number and send it. It's automated. One would think. Yes, and would you know, and, uh, and wouldn't you think when you're if you are going to test some uh, um, test and and you're given your name and your number, like that's your the computer and who you are, you know. I would have thought so, unless the individual who went for the actual test gave a wrong digit or something, you know, like one number off or something, and they wrote it down wrong and used that number. I have no idea. I wonder if anybody else got somebody else's PCR test. And also, if it had been, you know, if it had been like a negative one when it was positive, you know, we know that happens, false positives and stuff. So have you not been going out much? Is that the case? Since I've been out a lot, I've had no sight to But like, to be honest... Do you ever go out, though? Do you ever go out? Yeah, of course I do. Who <laughs> <laughs> don't? But that's another point, isn't it? I mean, you're going to a bar or restaurant, okay? And you're asked to give your name and your number. I mean, anybody could pick up your number off a book and say you're so-and-so. Yeah, the, the problem that's with those lists danger. is that, yeah, that's the problem, it is a danger because those lists are left up on counters with your name and your phone number and anybody uh, could take a photograph of it. I'll take a number, I'll go to a test and give you a number. You well, know? It, could, it could happen. So, uh, you got no real explanation as to why that happened? No, it's just that uh, it could have been... Um, <laughs> The digital that's like yours, it's not, <laughs> I was told, but, uh, but the person is 80 years of age, right? And they said, uh, they obviously have me on file, okay? They obviously have me on file of my address, because when I got my, when I got my coma, okay, or when I got my injections, right, in the city hall, okay? Well, they obviously have my address, but they are about them or whatever. They should have my phone number. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. Would this person give, got their test on, they're eight years of age? That's right. No, I know, I know. It's somebody else's. How is it they couldn't compare that with me, you know what I mean? I know what you're saying. No, I appreciate the call. Thanks for that, Noel. Actually, it's interesting because you've got an 80-year-old now who's walking around with, uh, with COVID and they don't know it, yeah? It's the problem. Yep. Yeah. All right, pal, thank you. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And Or, good morning. Morning. Thanks so much for taking the call. Are you picking up on some of the conversations yesterday? One was the awful side effects that one particular caller described having got the booster. I mean, there was a, she had an awful lot of physical pain, but on top of that as well, emotionally very down, a lot of depression, just general gloominess. Um, yeah. Um, well, I, I'm going for my test tomorrow. It took me hours to get it. And even now I feel emotional and... Obviously, I did a positive antigen test. And you probably hear it my voice because you know me. You don't sound well. So, I'm not. And um, I just, I'm a very positive person and um, I just feel so down. I mean, it's just like, I just can't explain it. Now, look, we get down if we have the flu as well. I, so I can't, I don't 100%, but this is different. This is like, it's like, I, I think it's because you're so emotionally attached to when you're um, um, actually as well exhausted so mm. I'm actually exhausted as well mm. um, I have no reason to be exhausted like I'm a very fit person I, I do a lot of class you know spinning classes I ride bikes I go jogging I, I'm that kind of person mm. and um, I just, just I like going to the bathroom now 
you can probably hear it, my breath as well. I just, I'm actually exhausted. And it's just a weird, weird feeling. Um, yeah. um, I'm vaccinated. I'm fine. Like, like you know, I think my young, because of my age, I'm, look, I'm 40. Um, like, it's like a really massive flu, but with exhaustion on top of it. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that's yeah. how I feel. Like. Um, and yeah. how did you feel after you got a booster? Was it wasn't around the same time or anything? I haven't had the booster yet. I you haven't. In another couple of weeks. Okay. I got my double vaccine at the end of August, and um, I said I'd wait six months. And then my child got COVID there before Christmas, and um, we got nothing. My husband got boosted because he's. Um, uh, he's asthmatic yeah. so he went off and he got boosted and I said look I'll wait a while I'll wait another um, I'll okay. wait the okay. six months so you and got then, unboosted you got the the yeah, regular the regular dose of Omicron without a boost huh? yeah what, I see, what I'm noticing with people as well that if they're boosted or not boosted at the moment vaccinated they all seem to get really you know sick differently um, like people who are boosted I noticed are getting really sick as well um, I think the Samacron is just a different thing, a kettle of fish altogether. Well, it but, seems uh, to vary with people because the, yeah, the, you know, much of the conversation has been about that it's a very, very mild version of COVID, nowhere like Delta or anything in the past. Mm-hmm. And that for many people, it's like a head cold and one or, you know, a lot of people will just have nothing more than maybe a tickly throat or, you know, maybe... Yeah, it a, just seems like a lot of emotions are coming from... But the emo- yeah, and then I'm hearing about the emotion. Yesterday was talking about the emotional lows after the booster where this girl like she was in an awful state like never mind the pain she was going through mm-hmm. but for you it's actually the traditional COVID that's given you that yeah well we don't even know what one it is you know if it's Omicron or Delta but I am double vaccinated as I said my child had COVID only uh, just before Christmas she had no symptoms at all you know um, she was a bit tired but nothing at all and she's 10. Um, so we, would, we wouldn't have even got her tested. We wouldn't have all got tested um, just before Christmas if we didn't have the close contact from the school. So when we got the close contact, we all went up. I know. And um, then it was like she had COVID. Yeah. So she would have been fine. Um, but I just don't think people realise that, you know, how depressing, you know, how depressed you are. And I think it might be because of just all the exhaustion that comes with it. But is it the kind of exhaustion or feelings that you got from flu? Um, no, I don't think so. No? I think this is more of um, more of a just it's just different. It's just like it's like depression, I suppose. Um, it's because you know you you could you could be lying there and you're just functioning. You know, you're just thinking about something stupid. You know, and it could be like, oh Jesus, are the bins out? You know, do they know the bins are out? You know, and then you're texting them, and then. Like that's that's really that's anyway. anxiousness, you know? yeah, anxiousness, yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, it's the guilt as well. There's this awful feeling of guilt, um, you know, like because now my child's now not going to school because they're all close contacts now, and my husband can't go back to work. And you know, it's like that's getting I'm, you down. There's a sense of responsibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, think, yeah. I don't know if I'm speaking for all women here, but like, like the house is going to be a mess when I leave this room. Do you know what? I, that's just going to. It's just going to be. Ah, but they need to pull their weight, though. Come on. <laughs> don't get me wrong like the food is coming to my room everything's been clean you know but still it's not the same you know when you're the runner of the house like I feel guilty about not being in work do you know that kind of way so 
Yeah, like you shouldn't though. It's easy for me to say you shouldn't. I know because you're going through it. But yeah. you know, this and then you're in the hospitality business as well. You know, like it's all hands on deck at the moment. You know, um, like I, like I, to be honest, I just put my hands up. I said, you know, I might be vaccinated, but I will do the antigen tests for the sake of others. Do you know what pisses me off at the moment, and this is what I've been thinking about: is that people are vaccinated or boosted or whatever you are, do the bloody antigen tests. But think of others. You're not super. You know, you're not like you're still going to get it. You know, mm. so you, and you still can spread it. So yeah, yeah. So all of, even the smallest things now are multiplied, and worries become you know, yeah, catastrophes exactly. in your head, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, do you know what about work now? What about you know? Are they okay really out there without me? You know, that kind of, it's stupid mm. things like that I wouldn't think about at all, you know? So, mm. yeah. Well, I suppose, you know, if you're completely and utterly exhausted and can't move, you know, that's probably the reasons an awful lot of your emotions are up in a heap as well, you know, because it's not the you that you're used to. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. I but, can't do what I want to do. Yeah. 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 But how long, how long are you into this now? It's Sunday night. I started feeling a bit iffy. So um, I was like, Jesus, I'm really tired, you know, and more tired than I would be, right? So I took an, um, I took an antigen test on Monday morning um, and that was negative. Now, lucky I don't work till Tuesday this week. So I was like, okay, I, have an antigen, I took an antigen test. And I said, that's fine, but I sent the kid, obviously, to school and stuff like that. And I said, it's fine. Like maybe it's just a cold or whatever. And um, I started increasingly worse than Monday. And I was like, Jesus, you know what? I, this is not right, you know? So um, I took another one then, um, Monday night, because it just kept getting worse. And um, that one came back positive. Yeah, I know. So you have a few days to go yet, you know? Yeah, so I took it Monday night and I was like, Jesus, you know what? And I only did that as well because I was going into a workplace. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I think they need to get more boosters out faster, don't they? Yeah, and, and cut down the the, the 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 gap between maybe the vaccine and the boosting. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a medical person, but it could have made yeah. all the difference to you. Yeah, I don't know. It's just everything. It's just like it just seems to be if you just keep, you know, just everyone should be doing antigen tests. Yeah, but you need yeah. to leave the guilt outside the door. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah you really yeah. should. Like, there's no guilt here. There's no blame here. You just need yeah. to get well and and others to pull their weight and. The next few days, all will be good again. Yeah, no, but it's just like, I suppose it's just. It's, I suppose when you're in that emotional place at the moment, it's just like you're just sitting back, going, you know yourself. Yeah, hang in there, hang in there. All will be well in time. You'll be back to your old self. You'll be running half marathons before you know it. Maybe even full marathons. Be kayaking and whitewater rafting and all sorts of things. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> all right. Cheers and or look after yourself. Take care. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number 0818-104-106. Just wanted to text in. Please don't give up my details, but I just want to say to everyone today going through a hard day or is thinking today that's a bad day and tomorrow will be worse. Tomorrow is always a better day. And always keep your head held high. Stay strong. I just want to make people smile today and help people get through their hard days. That's a lovely text to get, and it's even nicer to pass it on. Uh, there's that and lots more besides. Uh, an interesting one, actually, from the Toker area. I'm living near Centra in Toker, where the roadworks have been going on since God knows when. And yes, they are annoying. And recently, they started working through the night. I didn't think they could do that. There's a ridiculous stop-and-go system in place, and people stuck in the traffic seem to think that by holding their hand down on the horn, 
the lights will change faster and the traffic will move faster. I wonder if you guys could post something requesting people to have a bit of cop on and patience. This is a residential area yeah, that's near the centre in Toker. Uh, and there's another one. I'm living near centre in Toker where the roadworks have been going on since God knows when. And yes, they are annoying and recently started working through the night. The ridiculous stop and go system and people stuck in the traffic is making life an absolute nightmare for the residents. So there's two of them at the same time. And... um Homework then is an issue with regards to, we're talking about leaving certificate. Interesting text here. Can you ask your listeners, are schools providing homework online for students isolating? My secondary school kids are isolating and have had zero work provided. One is in third year and hasn't had a full year in secondary school ever. Isn't that amazing? The third years never really had a traditional school year. Yet we will have pre-exams in a few weeks. I understand schools are under pressure with staff absences, so free classes is another issue facing our kids. But the education minister is a joke. She's thrown teachers and students to the wolves. The stress she has them under is disgusting. Uh, I don't know um, whether or not any kind of plan is in place. I imagine that might vary from school to school with regards to kids that can't go in. Is their work being provided and homework being provided online? Um, is it down just to parenting? We'll pick it up after 10, lads, on uh, 0818 Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show And a new year, new you We want to kickstart 2022 with vouchers from Satori Clinic Cork They're based at Langford Row on the south side of the city Just there next to uh, Summerhill South And we have two prize winners every day this week You can go and get some acupuncture done or some cupping or acupressure uh, And the voucher is worth 150 euro for each winner every day So new you, new year, these are songs with new in the title. Uh, these three certainly do have the word new in them. I need you to identify, not just yet, but when I open the phone lines at a quarter to midday, artists and titles in the correct order. Have an aged. There you go. Those three songs, artists and titles, three crackers. Uh, and I'll open the phone lines at around about 10 minutes to midday. Don't worry if you missed any. I'll come back to it again a little later on and give it another run. Just one quick one then on Leaving Cert. Just remember to comment on this year's Leaving Cert exam. Students are not getting their courses covered. Teachers are absent. My son attends a brilliant school in the North Cork and is a good student. He's doing all higher level subject and was without an Irish teacher for two months before Christmas and this teacher was not replaced ever uh, there were days that he could only be going in for one class one teacher his teachers are excellent and this pandemic is nobody's fault they're not snowflakes as your listeners seem to call them uh, I'd like to see anyone else attempt to sit an exam without adequate preparation anything in life without adequate preparation my son's biggest fear is what happens if he gets COVID on the 4th of June and there's no backup plan uh, this is their only stab at a future in education and a chance to go on to third level. Be kind, people, and consider the feelings of these young people who are who are um, who you are slating on air. Um, so 
somebody else suggesting that any idea of students protesting nationally on any given day is insane. And that was from a conversation I had yesterday uh, with Mick Barry. With regards then to college choices, and we dealt with this quite a bit, as to whether students are actually picking college courses that they want to follow as a career path. And unfortunately, a lot don't. And many others are chasing points as opposed to chasing what they want to do with the rest of their life. And I was saying that law isn't, I'm told, as, um, as uh, you know, I suppose uh, it's not as lucrative, perhaps, is a way of putting it, as it's been done through the years. And maybe it's saturated. Uh, and I was talking about that yesterday. And I got a text in from a barrister who said, uh, I wouldn't necessarily agree law is saturated. I'm a barrister. However, I am based out of Dublin, where it's harder to create your own niche. He says the bar is down about, I don't know whether it's he or she, to be honest. The bar is down 20% in the last decade and has found a maintainable level now. And it's quite a good job. But if you can be more than just academic, it's better for you in law because pure academics fail in law. Uh, Neil, you also mentioned the FE1s, the exams. They are saturated, and that's a money machine for the Law Society. Can't give out my details as we have restrictions imposed on what barristers can say to the media. Uh, But thank you for the text nonetheless, and people can text 0868104106, and we'll come back to more calls, texts, and comments throughout the course of the morning. I was talking uh, yesterday morning about a Sunday Times report at the weekend that was looking at the Dublin um, um, housing market, and they broke it down. Um, by, um, you know, different, I suppose, parishes, um, suburbs, you know, satellite towns and villages and Dublin itself. And they were looking at the increase in property prices and the amount of money you needed for deposit and how high prices had gone in Dublin and where the dearest three-bedroom semi could be had in the Dublin area. Um, The dearest, incidentally, was a three-bedroom house in Ranelagh that came in at 1.15 million euro for a three-bed semi. Balls Bridge was coming in at just under a million and Rathmines, kind of the areas you'd expect. So that was all very well. But I was thinking, why don't we try and work out exactly what the same um, comparables would be in the Cork area? So we asked Sean McCarthy, who's the director at ERA Downing McCarthy, to take a look at it at first with regards to areas like Ballancolig and Douglas and Glanmire and Toker and Rochestown, Bishopstown, Blarney, areas like that. And I'm happy to say he put some work into it yesterday and he joins me by phone. Sean, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Happy New Year to and you. And you too. So I suppose we were primarily looking at three-bedroom semis, you know? Um, and, and just off the bat, what kind of percentage increase would there be, say, on this time last year? Well, that would suggest that Cork has risen by 5.5% across the board, but that's an average uh, increase, I would suggest. Three-bedroom semis is definitely the high-demand uh, asset at the moment. Uh, you know, the, We've seen significant activity in the property market in 2021. I suppose it's probably been fueled by uh, you know, huge demand and lack of supply is the yeah. key issue. Yeah. You have pandemic savings coming into the equation, whereas people have had a long time now to save uh, for deposits and that. And a lot of people then, I suppose, have revalued their lives in terms of working from home and maybe getting out of, of the nest at home and, and you know, and uh, getting a place of their own. But what has taken us, I suppose, a little bit by surprise is the pace of activity. You know, pre- uh, pandemic, you know, we would have been you know, probably taking three or four months maybe to sale agree a property, whereas now it's kind of six to six or seven weeks and it, it, the deal is done really. You know? Why is it being done so much faster? Because we were notoriously slow in this country. Yeah, demand, simply demand and lack of supply. You know, we've had bidding situations, like you mentioned, 
there various areas around the city we've had pre-Christmas there we had a place in the lock we put it on at 295 and we had 395 with a place in Frankfield again put it on 300,000 made 370 but what has probably been a big talking point among the auctioneers is the the um, older style three and four bedroom semis in places like Douglas and Beaumont and Ballantemple and Black Rock now for in particular I mean, we've had three bedroom semis there we pitched them at uh, 425 and that would be based on comparable evidence of places that had previously sold in the area yeah. and they have uh, made in excess of 500,000 and people are looking So would that be I, fair to say that, that they would have got 425 in the Blackrock area last year but they now get five they'll now get half a million Yeah you know, we've a lot of three-bedroom semis that in, in those areas have made in excess of uh, 500,000, half a million, 525 in one case. Now, these are houses that probably need another 150, maybe 200,000 to spend on them to bring up to modern standards. But I suppose the people are looking at houses for life, the location is what they're looking for, and those older style, style houses tend to have bigger plot sizes so they now can extend to the Now, that's a superb point, because the Sunday Times investigation found that one of the big must-haves for people are large gardens. They obviously have family in mind there. Family in mind and work from home, so they have an option to, you know, to extend the property or maybe put an office out the back of the, in the garden. That's a big plus. Because as the decades went on, now you're talking about houses there in in many of those areas that were built in the 50s and 60s with enormous gardens, but as the decades passed, the gardens got smaller and smaller in houses, didn't they? Correct. And, and, And left... You know, it left people with less options in terms of extending the properties. You know, if they had a three-bedroom semi, it just wasn't possible to make that into a four-bedroom semi. And that's what people are looking for. As I say, they're looking for houses for life that they can settle down with their family, you know, and uh, it, it, it just gives them more options, really. You know? Okay, so what typically happens when a house comes on the market, say the figure of 295 that went eventually and sold for 395? Um, it starts bidding war, does it? Yeah. Uh, we can tell very early on in, in terms of the activity, you know, as soon as we launch it, the emails start coming, uh, coming in, the phone starts ringing, we start, uh, you know, arranging viewings, you know, typically you could have, you know, eight or ten viewings on, on, on one property in an afternoon, um, and then the, the bidding starts coming in, you know, we will look for proof of funds from uh, all of our bidders um, when, they are, uh, when they're bidding, and, you know, they all have mortgage approved now at this stage, they're all at that stage, to be fair to them, and uh, the bidding just takes off and you know it can go up in tranches of 5,000 it can go up tranches of 10,000 and more you know and, um, and and slowly but surely as the 5 and the 10 grands go up people b- drop off do they? Correct. And, and you're usually left then with a couple at the end is it? You're typically left with maybe 2 or 3 bidders at the end yes okay. you might you might have you know, 8 or 10 bidders initially but then typically it but normally that boils down to maybe two or three bidders. Yeah. It's heartbreaking for the people that thought that they would bid on a house for 425 and get it for 425 and find that it's sold north of 500. Very difficult. Absolutely very difficult. And I have sympathy for them. But I suppose our job as agents is we're acting on and the sole instructions of our vendors. Our job is to get them the best price. But I, I absolutely, understand. you know, I, I feel sorry for people who try and bid it at the moment. And those that, I mean, there's no typical buyer, but is it a young couple who are just starting out in life together who intend and hope that they'll be blessed with children? Yes, 
a lot of young um, a lot of young couples starting off. Um, you have you, you, you still have landlords buying property as well, which is interesting. You know, you have some landlords leaving the, the property market. Uh, you know, they may be older, they may have properties a long time. Regulation probably isn't helping them. You know, they'll be taxed on the income. But you have a lot of new landlords entering the property as well through their pension schemes and buying property through pensions. But the majority, particularly for three bedroom semis, that we find is primarily first time buyers, young couples starting off. In okay, life. and and talk to me a little bit then about deposits. Is there any kind of an average deposit? Is it very much dependent on the price of the property? The deposit situation is interesting in the sense that you, you definitely have a lot of help from the bank of mum and dad. There's no doubt about that. And as mentioned earlier on, you have a lot of pandemic savings. I mean, people haven't been spending as freely over the last two years as they would have previously been doing. Uh, so, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people would have large deposits, 50, 60, 100,000 euro of deposit uh, going down on, on property. And, uh, you know, that wouldn't have been the case during the, mm. you know, the Celtic Tiger. They'd have been borrowing 100% of the property yeah. prices, which, which, which led to Crash. The That's average deposit it, that the Sunday Times found in Dublin was fifty-two and a half grand for a first-time buyer. That's twice what it was ten years ago. Yeah, I'm not a bit surprised at that. Yeah, yeah, and wouldn't be too far off that in Cork. It obviously, would probably wouldn't be as large because the property prices aren't as uh, as as high. Okay. And the bank of mum and dad uh, is that is that tax efficient for a mum and dad to give? I don't know. Is there an amount? Ten, twenty, thirty grand? No, look, I suppose the, all parents would want to look after their kids and make sure they get on the property market. So, you know, if they have the wherewithal to do that, that's certainly happening in, in, in the market without, without a shadow of a doubt. And can you gift that money then, tax-free? You can, yeah. And is there a limit? Uh, you... That's not really our area of expertise. I can find that out. So, so as you move then, okay, we've had reference there, for instance, to the Beaumont property, 425. It went for over 500,000. And you say there's 150 grand's work needs to go into it. On the property, yeah, yeah. Okay, then the other one in the lock was 300 and it went for 370. Um, as, and would Rochestown be similar? Bishopstown be similar? Areas like that? Yeah, and again, all the properties in Bishopstown, uh, as we say, in some areas, and again, larger gardens, so it gives the people an option to, to build on and extend and give a bit more space. They, you know, they're high demand areas, absolutely. Okay. Uh, are they the highest demand areas, or would Montanati be in there as well, Montanati or say, for instance, areas of Montanati Mayfield or, or um, Sund as well? Yeah, Sund as well would be popular. Um, Montanati would be popular. Oh, you know, we, we've seen huge man now in Beaumont, Ballantyne, Ballantyne, in particular, I would suggest, you know. Okay. And when you move further out now, okay, to your Glanmires or your yeah. road to your, you know, Blarneys, Watergrass Hill, places like that, talk to me about that. Yeah. Like, that again has probably taken us somewhat by surprise. East Cork commuter towns like Cove, Carrick, Toole, Whitegate, and particularly Middleton, you know, three bedroom semis, you know, um, very high demand. We sold a place in Cove there pre Christmas, made almost 300,000. That would have probably been 250. And we're dealing with three beds now, are we? Three bedrooms, yeah. So yeah, 250 sold for 300. It, it would have made, no, it made 300,000 in uh, just before Christmas, but in 2020, it would probably made 245, 250 based on, on, on our research. Um, there was huge demand for uh, Glenmire as well. We launched a new development, Richmond Rise in Sallybrook and Glenmire uh, in, um, in the autumn of last year. Three bedroom semis were starting for 300, from 375,000. Four bedroom semis were starting from 425,000. And phase one sold out immediately. That's a lot of money, isn't it? That's a lot of money, yeah. Is it yeah. value for money, though, or is it just that the needs must? Look, 
these are A-rated properties. They have fantastic development in, in Richmond Rise in particular. They're new homes. They're energy efficient. And, you know, there's a premium without a shadow without a new home. And that's what people are looking for, you know. And, of course, Glanmire is very accessible too, isn't it? As is Blarney, I suppose, because, of, um, you know, road... Well, certainly Glanmire is with... Glanmire you know. is very accessible. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and yeah. you know, all these areas then, are, are, are people looking at, you know, schools, crash facilities, you know, shopping... Um, you know, traffic volume when they're looking at buying a house, or are they just, just not interested in it? They just want a house. No, they're looking at all those things. You know, and, you know, a lot of it will come down from where they're originally from and things like that as well. But services in the area is a huge, uh, huge uh, factor when, when 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 buying a property. But also, what's a big factor is the property itself. You know, um, and how that's presented. You know, energy rating things like that come into into the equation. But you know, in terms of a property going to the market, uh, you know, for any people, anyone considering selling, how you present that property to the market is hugely important. You know. Uh, staging it, presenting it properly, getting a bit of advice on that, that can make a significant difference. But why should it matter? Do you, ever se- do you ever put a house on the market that never gets a bid? No. Right, so does it really matter that you clean the house or have fresh coffee brewing and all the flowers on the table? If Neil, it makes a massive difference. We had a place uh, in, in, the, in the city centre last year, uh, a two-bedroom place. You know, it was nicely presented, but there was no furniture whatsoever in the property. That was just the way it was. It was vacant. All the, the, the stuff was removed. Uh, we, we struggled to get 200000 We staged it uh, with, in consultation with our vendor, and within three weeks, we had... Uh, $230,000. Just, just by putting in furniture and beds, is yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. the inner city, is there any demand then in the inner city or is there any properties available, old terraced houses, things like that? Yeah, you know, the, the, the city centre will always sell because you know you still have you will have landlords in particular looking at that uh, those type of properties and as I say earlier on you know people with true pension funds and things like that but that wouldn't really be first time buyers wouldn't be really focused they're not the interested no. would that be for the uh, landlord to the rental market is it correct correct yeah yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah. and apartments then is that an option that families young people would look to or do they want the traditional three bedroom with the front and back garden most first-time buyers will go for a three-bedroom somewhere in the backyard. You'll have some that will buy yeah, apartments, but that's you know, it, it, it primarily it, it, it's three-bedroom semis that they will look at, you know. Okay, so we've done the city centre, we've done some of the suburban areas. Never mention Ballancolic, which, if anywhere, has gone on leaps and bounds. Ballancolic is the example, isn't it? It's yeah, an incredible place yeah, now. Absolutely. You know, you, you have a new town centre in, in Ballancolic. You mentioned services. Are they important? You have schools out there. You've, you know, you've access to the city centre. You've access down to, to, to Kerry and West Cork and things like that. So that's a big plus. Ballancolic really has come on leaps and bounds without a shadow of a doubt. And you have a lot of newer stock in Ballancolic as well. Uh, when I say newer, it's built in the last 10 years or so. And, you know, that will, they will demand high prices out there. Okay, um, when you move further out then, uh, is the best value to be had, say, in East Cork, way down, places like Whitegate, uh, North Cork, areas like Mitchellstown, maybe Mid Cork, areas like McCroom, West Cork, take your pick? In terms of money, absolutely. But, you know, we, we have a number of properties in, on the market in Whitegate at the moment, and, and they launched uh, sub 200,000, and they're mid twos now at the moment, up to 250. So, again, huge demand down there. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, if you were to look then at, say, the most expensive three bedroom house, they found in Dublin that it was 1.15 million in Ranelagh. Um, where would the suburb be where we would find the most expensive three bedroom house in Cork? 
I would think you're looking at your, your, your Douglas, your Beaumont, your Ballantem from Blackrock and, and those areas in particular. And what's the attraction to that? It's still just a suburb of the city, not unlike others. Location, um, access to the city centre, schools is a big factor. And again, as I said earlier on, plot sizes, the, 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 the plot sizes down there, you know, they're older type properties. They're, you know, they just give people more options. And what would the price be? You're saying... At least five hundred thousand. At least five hundred thousand. At least five, and that's for property. Most of the properties that come up in those areas, we have found, and certainly the properties we've been selling, you know, have tended to be older properties that need modernisation, need a bit of renovation. So you know, you're you're, you're starting at five hundred, five five hundred, five twenty five, but you're certainly spending a hundred, hundred fifty, maybe two hundred grand, depending on what you do, want to do in terms of extending and that as well. You know. So would I be right then in summing up that what you're saying is it could be Douglas, Blackrock, or Beaumont? Mm. It will be an old house with a big garden you yep. will pay 525,000 for it and you will need to put 100 and 150,000 extra into it that's what, that, that's, that's what we would have certainly come across absolutely okay. on a well, number of occasions that's the question I asked you to take under your consideration and you've done it brilliantly Sean thank you so much you're a gentleman and Good there's only one way this is going to continue to go isn't it And I mean we had a crash yeah, we I think it's slightly different this time around now in the sense that, you know, it was credit fuel the last time, 100% mortgages. That's not the case now. You know, there'll definitely be an increase in property mar- in market uh, this year in Cork. I was just, you know, you had, you know, 5.5% they're saying in the city last year. Three billion semi certainly rose substantially more than that. And that will continue for the next 12 months, I would suggest. That is amazing. I mean, back in the day, you are right. Just finally, where you say 100% mortgages was offered. 105% was offered, if you remember, because they also offered fit-out, didn't they? Yes, you could get a new house and a new car all thrown in into one deal. Okay, and what are banks offering now, do you know? Typically 90%, 80% on, uh, on, um, on people who are moving up, but for first-time buyers, typically 90%. 90%. Yeah. And finally, while this isn't your area, are they 20-year mortgages, 25? Is there a 30-year mortgage? There are 30-year mortgages. Typically, people are, on average, I'd say, probably a 25-year mortgage would be a good average. Fantastic. Sean, incredible job. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Very informative. Have a good day. Great talking to you. Cheers. Cheers. Sean McCarthy, director at ERA Downey McCarthy. And you can get further details from ERA Downey McCarthy at www.eracork.ie. Back on more property stories after these. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. And you can text 0868104106 and I would love to get texts and calls from you guys as to your own property stories, particularly if you're looking to buy and you've been bidding and outbid or maybe you were successful. Maybe you ended up paying an awful lot more money than you'd intended from the asking price. But do share, get an idea as to how difficult it is out there with regards to buying a new house. You can text 0868104106 if you have a story to tell. Please do share it with me. Neil at Red FM. So we got an incredible amount of very, very, very valid information there from Sean right up to date with regards to the different suburbs and areas of Cork with regards to buying a property. In the past, we've dealt with Dave Whelan, the manager at First Choice Property, a lot of the time on air trying to sort out rental problems for people. He's been very kind and helpful. He joins me by phone. Dave, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, my man. How much of that did you hear, what Sean had to say from ERA? I heard a lot of it, and I, I, I can allude to a lot of what he's saying because... While, uh, while I would say that, um, you know, he he, he, he empathises with people who are buying properties at higher prices. I also empathise with tenants who are trying to rent uh, at higher prices too. Um, due, I suppose, due, due, due to the 
the same reasons that he alluded to, on the basis that um, uh, properties are very, very scarce, especially family homes. Okay, let's, in the, so let's, beds in the, in the suburbs, etc. Let's look at that then from the point of view of the rental market for a three-bedroom semi. Is it the same in the rental market, the, market, the locations that he spoke about that are desirable? I would say that a three-bed anywhere in the city is desirable. Okay, so so people aren't as choosy or as demanding about location with regards to rent. Is that out of desperation? It is out of desperation, yeah. Um, people, I found that, that the lo- a lot of people would have bought apartments in the boom time. They were single, maybe engaged, now have kids. They went through the negative equity situation but they had to find a way of getting out of their two-bed apartment, so they have been looking for three-bed houses. And now these three-bed houses are being rented by people who are still only getting out of the negative situation, and they're trying to buy from the likes of Sean, you know? Yeah. Um, but in reality, three beds are like hen's teeth. They're very, very hard to get. Four beds, a little easier, but they go become more expensive. Like you have a typical but, example, don't you, of a Douglas home that you took back for re-rent, was it? That was a, a four bed in Douglas. Recently, four bed. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was a, it, it was a four bed, and I was speaking to Brenda. She was asking me what kind of rent were we looking to, to get for us. We've secured a tenant for two thousand a month, but we set the price based on the rent pressure zone regulations that are set out by the government. I believe that if we put that property up at two and a half grand, we would have got a tenant just as easily. Right. Okay. Okay. You'd, you'd have less. And you'd have less tenants looking for it, but you'd have got one. Well, we would have got one, you know. But I, I, I do. I am hearing anecdotally that, you know, private landlords are putting up um, um, rent beyond the rent pressure zone area, and that is um, that's probably giving. I say probably. I should say possibly giving a, a false view of the rental market in Cork. Because why? They, the owner or the landlord is advertising uh, it directly some, themselves? Some, some private owners or private landlords, they're taking a chance and they're putting up the rent higher than they should be. And uh, as you know, the rent pressure zone was, sent, was set to try and um, balance the market and to take, to take the heat out of it and to make it more affordable for tenants who are looking for homes to live in. And, 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 and very often long-term homes. Okay, so is there any typical rent in Cork then for say a three-bedroom semi or does it, uh, you know, I does mean, it... When, when we get an inquiry about someone asking us to try and find them a property, my first question is what's your budget? Um, um, and generally the budget that I'm told is 1,300 euros or more. But in reality, a three-bed most properties we have, three beds, even two bed apartments, they're starting at 1500 and going up. So what will you get for yes. 1300 Very little. Okay. Like, again, if you're relying on a property that is stuck in the rent pressure zone and that the rent is frozen in around that area of the 1300 yeah. you might be lucky enough to get, to get that. You okay, know? okay. so and typically it, a three-bedroom semi is going to be 1500 I think so. And, and in and areas like yeah. that Sean referred to, like Douglas, Blackrock, Beaumont, more likely to be a three-bedroom semi for rent at 2000 Yes. Now, we're getting a property ready right now. It's going to be unfurnished. It's a three-bed, Douglas area. It's an older house, 
but it's got a, a good BRE rating of C1. It um, has been, we're, we're reflooring it, repainting it, etc. And the market rent on that, due to the RPZ, is 1,500 euros, or 1,505 euros or something like that. But I think that is actually a fair price for the property. You're, you're saying if there, wasn't a, if there wasn't rent pressure restri- zone restrictions, yes, how, yeah. how much I would th- you have got for it? Th- I think 1500 is a true reflection of that property. Okay. Um, both from a regular point of view and from, you know, putting a property on the market. Okay. Um, so when that goes on the market now, typically, uh, what kind of interest will there be? Okay, well, right now we have lists of people who are looking for family homes. So I won't even advertise that property, right? Um, we are restricted at 1505 euros. So we are going to get the best price for our landlord, and that is, first and foremost, my uh, duty is to, to look after my landlord. Secondly, um, um, we have a list of, we have close on 50 people who are approved tenants for three and four bed houses. They've been looking for houses for a year, for a, up to a year. Yeah. Now, some of these people may have found properties, so we won't go to them. But I will generally go to the most prepared um, tenant or applicant tenant, those who have the best references, those who have showed organisation and who have showed that they are, uh, I suppose, mannerly and decent people. That might, I might be wrong sometimes, but generally we will try and go for uh, the people who have applied in the best possible manner. And who would they typically the be? Is that a couple? Is that a couple with children? Are they precluded if they have I, a dog, I, I if they smoke? People looking for three and uh, and four bed generally have children. Um, most people... I thought landlords dogs, didn't like children. No. It, it, again, it depends on how the tenancy uh, starts out and how it's set up. You know, I would explain to people that we're giving a property in very good condition. We will inspect it on a quarterly basis and expect uh, yeah, high standards. You know, while we expect, we do uh, totally empathize that it's a family home and you're going to have, you know, uh, uh, um, a bit of wear and and a little bit messy. Wear. No, I know, a bit messy, but wear and tear is fine as well. But we'd expect people, if they're paying rent, they're renting a, a, a valuable asset. And we explained to them that we expect them to take care of it, just like we, we gave them a decent product. And, and looking and at looking at the rental market, then would areas like for yeah. you, like Bishopstown and the Model Farm Road, um, be much sought after areas, hard to get by by virtue of the fact that unfortunately there are landlords in say the College Road area and Connacht Avenue places like that, uh, where they they have a maybe a big house and they're they're renting it by the room. I don't know are they getting around rent pressure. Laws there. Some of them aren't aren't with the RTB. Um, are, are those areas pressure areas? Well, if you say if they're not with the if they're not with the RTB, no one's going to know. And I suppose if you're overcharging rent uh, above the 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 the, the 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 RPZ guidelines, a tenant can ask the questions and say, "How was that?" Um, rent, how, how did you calculate yeah, But they rent? don't ask those questions because they're desperate I to get know. in there. Well, well, you see, again, that's where I think these landlords need to be brought to task. You know, if you're in situ, you're sitting there in, in the property, you can still ask the questions when you're there. When you have a secure tenure, you can still ask the questions because you have six years to recoup any extra money that you may have paid a landlord. Okay, so the what landlord, about then people renting? Might, sorry, go ahead. 
while the landlord might be getting away with overcharging, there's always the chance the chance that a, a past tenant can ask the question and they have up to six years to recoup any extra money they paid to a landlord. And that can all be done through the RT. I didn't know that. You can, there's, a, there's a long time definitely force that for, You can definitely force the hand of the landlord if you think they're being unfairly overcharged. So the further from the city or the, the suburbs you go, the cheaper the rent becomes. And in COVID times, of course, with more people working remotely and changing their work-life patterns, that probably suits a lot more people now. Well, you say with COVID happened, we, we got a huge, I suppose, um, uh, exodus from an awful lot of two-bed apartments in the city. They took a while to rent a little, a little longer than normal during the COVID time because we found a lot of people who were sent home from their offices to work from home. They ended up actually going home, home, back to their parents, back to whatever county they may have come from, and in some cases back to Portugal, back to Poland, and they were able to work remotely from home. But they are, they're slowly coming back. No, sorry, I might have gone off the point there and say, ask the question again to me. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious. Actually, it, it begs another question now. Maybe because people are working remotely and also working from home, that they are actually looking for homes themselves, whereas before they perhaps wouldn't have been and would have been going to the office, that they want to strike out on their own and rent. What I'm saying is it's putting more pressure into the rental market. Yeah, well, possibly, and you do find that. Or was it the fact that all of those that went back to Eastern Europe freed up properties? Yeah, well, not just Eastern Europe. I mean, they would have gone back to Cavan or Dublin or wherever they came from. But what I, what I do find is that if we're getting a two-bed apartment ready for rent at the moment, and if it's, got to be, if it's been worn and torn, we will leave one room vacant, no bed in it, and we will tell the tenants, you know, we have potentially an office there. If you want a desk, we put a desk in there for you. If you want a bed, we put a bed in there for you. And generally speaking, if we do rent it to a couple who want to work from home, their, their office is generally going to kid out the, 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 that room for them and give them the, the, the mandatory desk. And gotcha, yeah, the because it's, yeah, because that's the way a lot so of yeah, people it, are rolling. It is a selling point that, that you have a, a, a home office space. Okay. okay, okay. But one of the salient points that you made there is that you're not even putting houses up on daft because you already have the approved tenants on a waiting list. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, and, that, and that is very, very good for us because it means that we have someone that we have met before, we have vetted them, we've checked their references, and therefore our landlord has the peace of mind that we're putting a decent tenant into their property. All right, my man. Listen, thanks I, for taking and the call, Yeah. We'll talk to you soon, Neil. No, you but, would say what? You wanted to finish a point. I didn't no, want to cut you off. I, I, sorry, I, I, I would say that... that Generally speaking, once we have those tenants approved and they go into to, to a, a landlord's property, 999 times out of 1,000, we're right. And our tenants are very, very good. Yeah. But you do get the very seldom one that slips through the net. Gotcha. But if you're 50 on a waiting list for one rental property, one gets it, 49 are disappointed, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. When I had two properties recently and I, someone rang me, a friend of a friend of a friend, asked me could I look after him. And... I gave him the property that, that, that we thought suited his, his needs best. But at the same time, um, someone else came along looking for a property, the same property, and the original chap, we ended up getting him somewhere closer to his child's school. It was a total fluke, but when we have a list of people, we know what their needs are, and we can get to know our tenants as well as our landlords. Yeah. We can we can try and make things fit properly, and that way, that way everyone is happy. There's nothing worse than renting to someone 
out of desperation and they're renting the wrong property due to pure desperation because they won't be happy there needs and we won't get a long term tenancy there and that you know, that tenant is looking over his shoulder because he's looking for somewhere better to get and they want to be closer to their parents or they want to be closer Doesn't work to for anybody, yeah. City or whatever yeah. it is, you know. Yeah. So uh, desperation can, can 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 be a bad thing. Yeah. So an interesting point here. Uh, a work from home offices in Maham Point and we won't be going back. Will those blocks and all of those office buildings ever be used for apartments, do you think? Would they be easy to uh, refit, retrofit, or whatever the term is? I, I, I would see those offices as offices. We're going to be back in a somewhat normal world at some stage, Need I don't know when, but um, I know that they, 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 it would be very attractive to get more accommodation in the Mahan Point area. It's a serious commercial um, office and business area with a lot of employees, and we are screaming out for accommodation. But would it be impossible to, to, to refit those office blocks as apartments, would it? No, no, but I'm not, not a developer, but that would be a developer's job. But I, I think that we will have people, I mean, there are brand new offices being built there at the moment. I don't think they're being built to be left vacant. Yeah, I know, I know. Multinationals in there. We're going to be back at a normal stage, uh, hopefully very soon, because the whole COVID thing is being tiresome, I suppose, is the best way. That's to a good way of surviving it, yeah. You know, if we can hopefully, yeah, I think that those offices will be filled with, with workers again, and it would be ideal if, if the council and would work with, with developers that are trying to get planning for decent-sized apartment blocks down there to accommodate, you know, young tech workers who are earning decent money, have the affordability to rent down there, and they want to they want to live where they're working. You see the rejuvenation of Monaghan Road and, and, and the, 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 the parks down there. Mm. You know, there's a nice amenities surrounding Man Point, and it would be nice to, to get, you know, accommodation down there to help people who are living there or working there and they will be working there again no doubt about it fair play we'll leave you on that optimistic note thanks Dave for taking the call as always Dave Wheeler Manager First Choice Property and you can get in touch with them on uh, line as well I'll get you the details and the office number back after the break this is the Neil Prenderville Show tweet the show at Neil Red FM 104 to 106 Red FM. And first choice property on Monaghan Road in Monaghan Road Business Park. And they're on 429-4496. I'd love for you to share your own stories, though, whether it's in the property purchasing area or indeed rentals. So do get in touch, um, certainly by email if you have a story to share, Neil, at redfm.ie. Lines are open for all other business. We'll come back to those texts as well throughout the course of the morning. But you know the way we had all of the alcohol price changes there lately where they rocketed up, particularly the price of uh, where before you bought a box or a slab of beer and you might have paid 20 and now you're going to find you're going to be paying 40 or even 47 in some cases. Came, a great, came across a great post there uh, overnight of a cork shop who's got a cheeky new idea that bypasses Ireland's new minimum unit pricing laws on alcohol. Uh, and it's Sam's Gala down in Dunmanway. I was never great at the math, so Colm O'Sullivan should be able to explain it to me. He's the owner of Sam's Gala. Sam, go- Sam good morning. Colm, I should say good morning. Yeah, sorry, yeah, it's Colin Good morning, how are you? I'm good. So what's the, what's the deal here now? Obviously, you sell beer. Um, you sell it by the slab. You have a new way of getting around the increase. How does it work? Well, that's your interpretation of the post, Neil. 
unfortunately, after they brought in the public health act, alcohol act there in 2018, you're extremely limited in what you can do with alcohol. You yeah. can't mention it in a promotion. You can't associate it with anything else. And they've cleared that along the way, right? So my post clearly states that we're selling plastic glasses now for um, 30 euros. And uh, we then issue a credit note, not a voucher, because a voucher and club cards, again, all of that um, on the 11th of January last year, you weren't able to redeem any of those. So there's there's nothing, I couldn't see anything in law preventing you from exchanging um, a credit note. And it just so happens that, that the credit note is the same price as some slabs of beer that we have and a Hoover and um, and, and, and a mop. So it's really your interpretation over there, Neil. I didn't say that. <laughs> well, the mirror, the mirror actually described it as a, a cheeky new deal that bypasses the unit pricing law. <laughs> Whatever. So if I buy 24 <laughs> plastic glasses, I yeah. pay 30 euro for the 24 plastic glasses. And you yeah. give me a credit note... To what value? Correct. For €47.34. Now, at the moment, I believe Eamon Ryan is absolutely delighted with Sam's gal in Dunman. According to a post I saw this morning, he believes because we've made plastic so expensive, it will deter <laughs> anybody from buying it. <laughs> so what do I get for the forty-seven thirty-four with the credit note? No, I'll tell you what you can't get with it, Neil, because I can't state what you can buy with it. Yeah. You can't buy spirits, wine. You can't buy four-pack, six-pack, eight-pack, 12-pack, or 18-packs of beer. You can't buy grocery, tobacco, <laughs> or you can't buy lottery products. So it's it's by omission, really. Just so happens there's a few products left there at the price that you can redeem it for. Which is a slab of Budweiser, is it? Or Carlsberg? That's your... No, no, you're right, you're right, yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't say that, obviously. Yeah, because is the forty-seven thirty-four? I'm, I'm just saying this. You, you're not. Say the forty-seven thirty-four. Is that the price on the shelf of uh, twenty-four Carlsberg cans? Is it? Absolutely. Coincidentally, it is, Neil. Yes, it <laughs> is. Yeah. <laughs> that's the new price of them. I, I sound like a politician in the tribunal here. Now that's your interpretation. But no, you- no, you're, you're, that's, that's the new price. That's, that's the prohibitively expensive price when they went from 25 and 26 euro. And, and as everybody knows, a lot of people were, were under, the, were under the, the illusion that it was, it was a government tax. It wasn't. It's a bit like car insurance. It's something they put in the directive that you have to have where an outside company benefits from it. And on this occasion, for once, the retailer was gaining from it, right? And the margin on, say, slabs of alcohol went up to about 40, 45%, which is just phenomenal. But... To be fair, my experience in the last seven days, it's been 45% of nothing. Why? Because why? People weren't buying, is it? I haven't sold a single slab of beer since last Tuesday. <laughs> and you would have done before. It's not because it's January now, in fairness. Oh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. All this dry January, most people start at about the 28th of January. But uh, no, the, the dry January, that has nothing to do with it. We <laughs> start dry January start. two days into the end of it. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, I, I but, started myself around the 30th. But, but you're... <laughs> But you're selling this. Well, you, I'm not saying you are, but yeah. you could potentially sell the slab for thirty euro. And are you still making a profit? You would have made a bigger profit at forty-seven thirty-four. I would have had, but I, I make nothing when nobody was buying it. Do you know? Um, like my costs haven't gone up. The retailer's cost for buying the product has not gone up. Okay, um, so. It's grand to sit there and think, wow, this is phenomenal. But 
Yeah, it's all very well for a retailer to say, this is fantastic, I'm now getting a 17 euro more profit on a slab of beer, but if they're not buying it, it's pointless. Absolutely. No, no, it's an exercise in futility, what I could see. You see, this, this has been touted for the last six, eight months. Nobody's surprised about it. Everybody knew this was coming. But in anything that you ever read on the press, <clears throat> all they ever mentioned were spirits are going to go up to 22 quid and um, wine is going to go up to seven and a bottle of beer is going to be 180 or 190. Nobody had multiplied it out because if you look at it, right, six times more people die in Ireland every year from smoking-related illnesses than they do from alcohol, right? Yet if you buy cigarettes <clears throat> which are highly highly regulated on cigarettes you can buy a packet of 20 23 27 or 32 yeah and with cigarettes the more you buy the cheaper they are yeah I know like, yeah. on a pro rata calculation a box of 32 cigarettes on an individual basis is cheaper than buying 20 but with alcohol if one bottle is on the shelf for 2 euro then 24 sell for 48 oh so yeah there's nothing to factor in any element of discount there I'm not talking about a huge one, but it didn't have to be of the severity of a difference of 17 or 20. And, and it was on a box or a slab. But you're holding your hand up as a retailer saying, yes, it was the retailer was going to be making the extra money on this change in the minimum pricing unit. Uh, but you're also saying at the same time, while there was potentially more money to be made, if people aren't buying it, it's an exercise in nothing. Well, oh, no, absolutely. It's an exercise in futility. Like, there isn't a retailer in the country who's delighted with this, thinking I'm going to make an extra 20 euro, because they know they're not going to sell it. So, have you sold more beer since you did this? Last night, we did, to be honest, yeah. People came in last night, and um, they availed of the offer. They bought the plastic glasses. They were delighted with the value of the plastic glasses. They received the credit notes. Um, they traversed the shop, and they found they happened to find some slabs of beer available for the €47.34. Euro and they exchanged their credit note for that. All right. So they had the credit note for forty-seven thirty-four, uh, but they only paid thirty euro coincidentally for plastic glasses. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And do you think that other retailers should follow suit? <laughs> I do. I think now, Neil, the way Ireland is, they're going to hang back to see if I'm going to be arrested in jail. <laughs> Because I tell you something, that's exactly what I would do myself. I said, no, let your man off there now. We'll see how he gets Okay, off. so you're the pioneer. If they don't shoot you, others will follow. <laughs> Are you expecting to get a slap on the wrist over it? I'm not really, because I believe I can stand over it. I saw a, a fantastic thing on Twitter this morning. Some guy probably on Twitter this morning. He said, um, the last time the man we have seen crowds this big was for Sam McGuire's funeral. <laughs> They're all going to. They're all going to Sam's gala. This isn't the first time I came across stories involving you. Didn't you have a, a very funny summer job spec for young people there in the summertime? Yeah, I went exactly well. Yeah, we took, my ad was just a bit different than most. I outlined who I didn't want, what I didn't want, versus what I did want, and it worked out exceptionally well. <laughs> Can you recall the ad and what you didn't want? Oh, I can. No, I want what I didn't want was I didn't want people coming in telling me that uh, their daddy sent them down. <laughs> Um, I wanted people that didn't need to be surgically removed from their phones and I wanted people that wanted to work and that was all and did you and, get you know, them? We, oh we did we've had, some, we've had some great people in there during the summer and um, look they have a couple of lines now on their CV to progress on to other jobs again which is great for them everybody needs a starting point somewhere <laughs> do you ever think of doing stand-up comedy? You probably do behind-the-counter comedy anyway, I suppose, yeah? I'd probably make more than I would than wait for make 20 quid in a slab of beer. <laughs> I'll let you get back to it. People <laughs> know Neil, where thank to... Thank you very much, need A pleasure talking to you again. People know where to go to buy cheap plastic glasses then. <laughs> Take care, <laughs> Colin.
All the best. Yeah, thank you very much. All right. Come All on. of us, all of the honour of Sam's Gala. And just, it's just a technicality. It's just coincidental. You know, if the beer on the, on the shelf is a slab of Budweiser for €47.34 Euro at the new price. But if you buy 24 plastic glasses in the shop, you'll pay €30 Euro for them and you'll get a credit note to the value of €47.34, Euro coincidentally. I hope you can follow that back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number, 0818-104-106. Yes, indeed. And Regina says, with regards to house property prices, you talk about uh, couples and you talk about families with young children. Is there zero hope for anyone trying to buy a property on their own unless they're Elon Musk or are willing to live in the back arse of nowhere. Another one then with somebody trying to rent. Um, I'd like to keep my details private for now, but I'm trying to find a place in Bantry to rent. I've got a 22-month-old puppy who lives with me. I've contacted a few people who have houses to rent in the area, but they are not pet-friendly, and others are just way too expensive. One person wanted 1500 a month until the end of March, as I suspect they would then turn it into an Airbnb. If any of your listeners could help, I would be so grateful. Yeah, that's very unfortunate, isn't it? That they're, you know, that's greedy, like. We'll let you in there for, you know, half of January, all of February and March. But you're out then because we'll make more money on Airbnb. Just a fast anniversary request. Uh, could you please say a big hello and congratulations to our wonderful parents, Marie and Brendan Crowley. Um, they're celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary Today, they love listening to the show each morning. And you met them once during the summer when they were on their holidays in Port McGee. Well, I'm delighted to hear that. We love them very much and want to thank them for being such wonderful parents and grandparents to Leah, Chloe, Chloe, Emma and Ben. Thanks, Neil. We'd be delighted if you could choose a song for them to celebrate their day. Don't know about the song, but happy to give them a 50th wedding anniversary shout out from Owen, Joy, Colin, Nicola, Jennifer and John. OK, we'll pick it up after 11... Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. New year, new number for Neil. 0818-104-106. And we want to kickstart the new year for you. New year, new you with Satori Clinic in Cork. They're based down on Langford Row, just at the end of Summerhill South in the city. We have 150 euro vouchers to give away every day. Two winners. And you will win a 150 euro voucher each every day. And then you can go get some treatments like acupuncture, cupping and acupressure at uh, Satori Clinic. So it all has to do with the new year and new use of songs with new in the title. You need to identify the artists and titles in the correct order, ideally when they open the phone lines. Around about 10 minutes to midday, here are the three songs. One more spin, then we'll open the phone lines. Two winners, callers 10 and 11, a 150 euro voucher each for Satori Clinic at Langford Row in the city. By email, I hope you're keeping well. Happy New Year to you and the team. Something I would like you to mention on air. Do parents really think it's a good idea to take their kids out of school to go on holidays right now in the middle of a pandemic? Are they that desperate to get away? I see a parent whose kids are in my school. Well, you could say barely in school because they are now away for the past week and have missed countless days 
in the past year. They say mother is the one who's all over Facebook ranting and raving. The schools are not safe for her kids and she doesn't want them in there. Yet, she will take them on a plane away to a foreign destination. The mind boggles, really. It's bad enough taking your kids out of school for a holiday, but in the middle of a pandemic, have a bit of cop on. This same one will be all over Facebook now when she comes back, going on about case numbers and blaming Norma Foley that her kids can't go to school. Yet, she would risk their safety to go on a selfish holiday. Don't give up my details, love the show. Well, you certainly have got yourself in a bit of a twist, haven't you? Now, some would claim that that's just the twitching curtain brigade looking through the window at other people's lives. Others might say that you have a valid point to make. I do think that um, people are entitled to get a bit of sun uh, and they possibly, I don't know whether, you know, you say this person is constantly ranting on about Facebook, but they're constantly going away on holidays over and back, over and back. I mean, each to their own, you know. Um, you got to wonder as to whether or not they had a bad Christmas or didn't get, I mean, you're saying they didn't. Uh, You're saying they got holidays last year as well. But for some people, you know, they may not have got away at all last year and their circumstances might have prevented them from doing so. And, you know, maybe a bit of sunshine early in the new year wouldn't be a bad idea. I don't know how all the kids are, you know. Uh, Maybe they just are, you know, financially uh, constrained somewhat as to what they can afford and might get a good deal in January. I don't know. I mean, all of the above could be taken into consideration. Anyway, you know what other people think of that? You can get in touch. Text 0868104106. Is this a good time to be getting a bit of winter sun? Um, I had my booster on Monday, 3rd of January. It's over a week later and I still don't feel right after it. I'm taking paracetamol every day, drained with zero energy. The day after the vaccine, I was completely knocked out. I had to lock off, log off work and slept the whole afternoon. I'm hoping this feeling won't last much longer. I wonder how many other people are feeling like this after the booster jab. So there's another example. And we were talking with people yesterday on air who got rightly crocked after the booster. And just one quick one here, if you don't mind. My 13-year-old daughter used to be perfectly healthy and is now suffering the same as the lady you had on air. No help, no answers, no treatment, no long COVID clinics for kids. She's been out of school three months since contracting. Absolute disgrace, our health minister and health system. No long COVID clinics for kids. She's waiting for a monitor now for her heart for two months and was dismissed on all ENA visit, A&E visits. So much so, we gave up going to the A&E. Only for her GP, she would be in absolute bits. Here are her symptoms. She can't stand steady. Constant fatigue. No balance. Inside shaking. She can't see. Um, floating in and out of blurred vision, uh, stomach pains, debilitating migraines, cold on the inside, cold on the outside, blackouts, falling down the stairs, leg pain, itchy legs, constant brain fog, chest pain, low blood pressure, black flashing in her eyes, confusion, feeling flushed and heart racing. I mean, that is some amount of side effects, isn't it? And all from long COVID. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And that's exactly what Colin did. Colin, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? It's a pleasure talking to you because you've been through the experiences and all that goes with the hell of buying a house during COVID. Isn't that right? I have indeed. And how tough was it? Uh, it was a nightmare. It was it was a long, drawn-out process. And, um, like, it, it was all worth it in the end, obviously. But, um, 
Like there's, there's were you jobs. were you buying? Were you building? Were you building off? Were uh, you buying off yeah, plans? I, I, was, I was buying off plans. So um, I first went and looked at the house in March, April, twenty twenty. Okay, just at the start of COVID, um, and I got in in December. 2021. Okay, so off plans was they hadn't even started or broke ground. Uh, they, they, the show houses built all right, but right. that was it. Okay, okay. And do you mind me, because this could be good advice for people, because you're a young guy, were you buying for yourself? Were you with a partner? Yeah. Were you looking at your no, children? I was buying for myself as a sole applicant um, and I went for the Rebuilding Ireland Home okay. Loan. Okay, so talk to me about Rebuilding Ireland Home Loans and Help to Buy. Uh, so the Rebuilding Ireland Home Loan is the mortgage provided by the local local authorities. I got mine with Cork County Council. Uh, so the banks are restricted with central bank guidelines at 3.5% your annual income. And the county council can offer you four and a half times, which can open up maybe some more options. Oh, so rebuilding like Ireland through a city or county council, you can get four and a half times your salary. Yeah. Assuming now you can make the repayments on a mortgage on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, they'll oh. check that and they'll take into consideration your rent and stuff like that. I was renting in Bishopstown at the time. and um, So rebuilding so. Ireland home loan gives you a bigger pot um, yeah, mortgage yeah. wise so and as a sole applicant like there's very little out there you want to be on fairly substantial wages to, to get anything um, and the rebuilding the home Ireland loan. home loan is that available to everyone and anyone or is there a criteria no or? There, there is criteria on the maximum you can earn and the maximum value of the house I think it's up to about 300,000 for couples for buying a house um, no wait a second now is it the 300,000 for a couple the value of the house or their combined salary well I think the combined salary is let's say 70 I'm not exactly sure and when you multiply that by say the four and a half times that they'll offer you it's just it over 300 the 300 the, the, the the loan of 300,000 or there or thereabouts. So if, if an individual like you went after the rebuilding Ireland home loan um, what was your, what was the salary cap for you? I think it was fifty. Fifty. Uh, I was I was just kind of in and around the okay. the, the cap. So so with uh, a salary under I, fifty thousand, you could get the rebuild Ireland home loan. Did you get help to buy? Did you get a grant? Sometimes I, it can I be fifteen, seventeen, twenty well. grand. So I was I was looking to buy the house before the enhanced help to buy. So I'd been saving for a couple of years before that anyway. And uh, I looked at the house, say, in April, and the enhanced help to buy came in in June or July. And what is that now? What's available? So the original help to buy was 5% of the value of the home. The enhanced help to buy is 10% of the value of the home. So it just kind of meant when I moved into the house, I had a few few bob left over. Okay, so the help to buy is a grant that's given to you by the state, is it? Yeah, it's a tax rebate done, I think it's in conjunction with the revenue. Okay. So it's, it, it is depending on how much tax you paid over the last five years. But that could potentially give you 30 to 35 grand on, say, a 300,000, 350,000 home in tax relief. Yeah. 35 grand in tax relief. Yeah. Okay. And that can be used towards your 10% deposit that you need for your mortgage or your 
or your loan. They count loan. that as part of the deposit, do they? Yeah, yeah. You can use it for the entire ten percent deposit if you if you qualify for enough. You um, can actually they'll actually give you the ten percent. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't ever end up in your bank account, yeah. but through the actions of solicitors and vendors, solicitors, and the seller like gets it, or the builder, yeah. or whomever. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that's that's handy enough then when you're looking at through rebuilding Ireland's home loan, you can get a bigger mortgage. With um, help to buy, you can get up to 10% of the purchase price. Yeah. But a lot of that is eaten up by property prices that are way overvalued well, that, anyway. That's, that's the other side of it. The, the house I was looking for was put up on the market before the enhanced help to buy. And these these things had changed. So I was kind of lucky. I'd already a, a booking deposit down before. they. Like I don't think they could change prices anyway. But the new bills now have all factored these these grants. Yeah, and, uh, and added to the in. fact, of course, that materials yeah, so have gone through the roof. Was 250, they're, they're now selling it for 265. Okay, you know? okay. So how was it, how was any of that a nightmare? It sounds to me as if you did, well, did quite the, well. The nightmare kind of comes when you were supposed to be into the house, say, in uh, December 2020 and you're still renting in Bishopstown and you're sharing a room and there's a pandemic, you're sharing a house and in the... You're, you're renting a room in a shared house. Um, was that that was because sites closed? Was it all or? building sites closed down? Yeah, yeah. So the the, the housing estate here was supposed to be kind of complete at the end of 2020, and it was nearly, you know, it was it was it was it was after that. You know what I kind of was kind it of six way. months late, six months nine late. months late. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I was nearly nine months before I got in, but and I was probably one of the first into the housing state. I was eager enough to get in before Christmas and get stuff sorted. They're still. So there you are now in your A-rated three-bedroom, is it or four-bedroom? Yeah, yeah, A-rated three-bedroom. I turned the the small bedroom into a box room, kind of like they were saying on the, the for for working from home, yeah. and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted with the place now. Like I said, it was all worth it, but there was like some amount of delays and. The rebuild in Ireland is great, but it adds an extra kind of layer of complexity dealing with Cork County Council, who are also great, but they've got their solicitor involved. And as you know, when you introduce one more solicitor, you introduce an exponential amount more paperwork. But it's still it's still ninety percent of the mortgage, though, is it? Yeah, yeah, okay. still still ninety percent mortgage. So and, you came uh, up with the you came up with what like thirty or forty grand was it deposit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, around in around that. That's, and, uh, I'm delighted for you. And and yeah. tell me, did you have difficulty finding somewhere to buy off plans? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there was very few. That's like one of the reasons why I ended up in Coachford is because, you know, Ballincollig, uh, Bishopstown, Carrigaline, Crosshaven, they're, they're, the prices, they're just not, they're not within the affordable ranges. Even yeah. if you qualify for these assistances, the houses aren't in the ranges to buy them. I know. So you went further yeah. out and you got an A-rated yeah. home a little further out, but a beautiful home nonetheless. What do you do with the other bedrooms? I mean, will you let? Will you rent a room? Or um, for, for the next while, I'm just happy to have a bit of space to myself. Um, you got broadband so there, fibre and stuff? And everything's kind of quieting down. We can have some people, I'll have some people over and... Uh, <laughs> have a housewarming. Yeah. I don't know about a housewarming. I'm not. I'm not there yet, but uh, definitely, definitely like to show it off to my parents. And so, when you moved into that new home, was did you fully furnish it? Because years ago, people used to furnish room by room, bit by bit. Um, well, I, I did all the flooring myself. The showers were done, thanks be to God. I did all the flooring. I bought couches and uh, paint and 
stuff like that, yeah, beds, put them all together, flat packs, <laughs> IKEA kind of deliveries. <laughs> Yeah, it was a busy, busy Christmas. Busy and just, Christmas. just a question I asked there, I know whether you heard me or not, you're in Coachford, doing a lot of work from home. Do you have f- high fibre broadband there or is it... No, no, is unfortunately it not. Unfortunately not. It is It is on the cards, but it'll probably be another six months. I'm using a hotspot off my phone. Ah, you see, that's uh, a bummer. Like, the game changer would be It is at the fiber. moment, yeah. And even the likes of Netflix, like, I'm managing off my phone. I've still got, like, 60 meg speeds. Is not, Netflix phone, not buffering all the time, no, pausing, no, crashing? It's, it's managing fine. Now, you wouldn't want to be watching Netflix while working from home, <laughs> while downloading something. While boiling the kettle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if you're, doing, if you're doing one thing at a time, it's not too bad. Um, <laughs> and I, I work in IT, so I kind of, yeah. I, I've, I've got, got my way around it. It's not ideal for networks, you. Yeah. Three networks. Yeah, yeah, buffer. Oh, yeah, you're hot spotting, hot spotting off your phone. Not ideal. Listen, it's lovely chatting with you. I'm delighted with your new home, and uh, hope you are too. Thanks very much, Neil. Have a good one. Best you too. Luck. Take care, Colin. Keep Cheers. those stories coming. Text 0868104106. Email Neil at redfm.ie. If you want to speak to Neil Prenderville in the new year, you'll need the new number, 0818-104-106. Please hang up and try again. Cork's Red FM. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now, 086-8104-106. I get as many calls as I can between now and midday, promise you that. Uh, But I love the variety of the different topics that we deal with on a daily basis. And there was talking in the newspapers this morning that another song now has gone to the, um, uh, the... demolishers or the dismantlers yard Elvis Costello's Oliver's army has bit the dust and it's bit the dust by he himself he said that he's cancelled himself he's done singing Oliver's army and he's urging radio stations to stop playing the controversial track he I'm not playing the controversial part of the track that he's referencing to of course the n-word he might be annoyed that I'm even playing a hook of it the hook as they call it or the chorus but within the song he performs uh, and has done for decades and decades there are a couple of lines in it that many people find offensive I'm not going to read out the full lines but it, uh, it you, you'll get the idea when I tell you the line that he sings is it only takes one itchy trigger one more widow one less white and you'll know what will rhyme with that but anyway James is in a bit of a tiz over it James good morning morning okay I'm not in the tiz I just find it mad that uh, some some songs have given so much issue, uh, and yet you have something like I believe it's Carly B is the name of the artist who sings pretty outrageous lyrics uh, about women and various things, and there seems to be no issue. Women, yeah. Well, it's it's her singing about her sexual exploits. So what she'd like to get, I'm and I'm putting it very, very mildly. I mean, the lyrics are so over the top; they're quite. You'd be like, some might find them disgusting. I just think they're ridiculous. But you know, it's just. But is it not all like? I mean, it's all art or entertainment or whatever. So what's the issue? Like, I mean, most of the rappers were of a certain uh, origin. They, they use that word all the time. Yeah, I, underst- I understand all of that. When you talk about the lyrics to WAP by, by Cardi B, of course, um, you could have 10, 12, 14-year-olds singing these lyrics and they're just completely 
over the top when it comes to a child singing these sexual lyrics. Yeah, yeah, like, and I wouldn't be a fan of Cardi B more a can of Margot probably. There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that. He's to you his know, own. You know, it's, it's just where does they stop? Like Tommy Tiernan is going to go out of business if this keeps going because he's fairly choice in his in his um, taking out of et, 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 ethnic groups and various other things. And yeah. you know. Well, I mean, it's, 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 I know what you're saying, but in this case, it's Elvis Costello who says that he's not going to play it anymore and he doesn't want people to play it on the radio anymore. Well, could you blame him? Is he cancelling himself ahead of being cancelled? But Shane McGowan has the same, had the same issue or has had the same issue for the last two Christmases. Or not Shane McGowan, about the, about his, Yes, about Shane McGowan, the Pogues fairy tale of New York, yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, faggot. Uh, uh, well, the F word, yeah. Well, I wouldn't go using yeah. it on the air, though, but in the context no, of what faggot. he's used it in the song, he's actually come out and said, okay, well, if people don't want to play it or hear it, don't. It wasn't, he, he actually said along the lines of, he didn't mean to cause offence and don't take it out of context. But you know the story behind um, Oliver's Army, don't you? About the troubles in the North and you well, know, yeah, yeah. the reason you wrote. People, several people, first generation Irish, in the UK, artists have sung a lot about the troubles in Ireland and the troubles in the North. And he, and that's where he was coming from when he wrote that song, because that term was used apparently back in the day. And indeed, that's what his grandfather was called when he was in the British Army. He's saying it's an historical fact what he was singing about. But if it's offensive, then listen, just park the song. But you also had earlier in your program this morning, there was a, you were pulled up on, on another uh, topic you were talking about. Like, where does this all stop? <sighs> That's the world we're living in, man. It's moving at a very fast you're pace. You're the news. Like, you're only bringing the news on that one. And yet you seem to get sort of... Um, oh, you're, you're referring oh. to the broadcast complaint, is it? Yes. Ah, well, yes. That, that's part, that comes with the job. I mean, people are entitled to criticise or to pull me up. In, the, in that case, it was deemed that I wasn't um, that I wasn't fair enough or balanced enough, or I didn't uh-huh. ask as many rebuttal questions as I should have done in the interview. I, I mean, I accept that I'm not going to get everything right. That comes with the territory, you know. You 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 move on. But there's right and common sense, is there not? Well, listen, I understand that. I mean, it, it, it's one of the intricacies of the job. Balance is important, and some people but will take on Bridget. What is the broadcasting authority are supposed to be fair and equal about? Well, they did. They looked at both sides. They listened to the audio. They, list, they, they read the, um, the submissions by those that were unhappy with it, uh, and they made the decision to partially uphold the complaint. So, that, listen... I'm big enough and ugly enough to be able to take that on the chin, move on, and uh, uh, and dust they myself down. They always seem to fall the same way, though. Ah, outside of I'm, caution. Well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to comment on anything outside of the actual complaint that was made against me uh, in the interview on that day. I know. I know. I, know. I actually I always thought that. I, you know, let me. Give, I always thought that Oliver's army had more to do with Oliver Tambo and the battles that were going on down in South Africa at the time. So I learned a new thing here in the sense that it had more to do with Northern Ireland than that, you know? No, I think I was And actually, I think when he referred to Oliver, he was talking about Oliver Cromwell. Cromwell, yeah. That's amazing. And anyway, you, di- you, di- yeah, go ahead. Sorry, there's five or six first generation artists who have done songs in the UK and, and mo- about Ireland and the history and the troubles and the War of Independence. I mean, it's very to- a very topical subject for a lot of it, first generation. No, I understand that. But the N-word is an unacceptable word to use in any context now. 
and therefore that's why all, you know I suppose that's why Elvis Costello has always come out and said I get that I understand that park the song yeah yeah I mean I you could would you think people should beep the line or beep the word would that would that be a, a well, an alternative the point like I mean it's it, it, surely are you going to have a watershed on music you well, when it, when it comes to Cardi B, perhaps that's needed because you don't yeah. want an 8 or a 10 or a 12 or a 14, 15, 16-year-old singing that song with his or her friends. You just don't. But there was very little reaction to it. Or, 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 or well, let me put it to you this way. I, I couldn't broadcast it. You couldn't broadcast it. You couldn't. weren't allowed. I couldn't. I just couldn't. In all in all fairness, oh, no, I just I, I just couldn't. I, yeah, I just couldn't play that. I just couldn't. I mean, it's no, got the mean, it's got the N word in it and everything. I couldn't play it. Certainly <laughs> bad. I mean, it's only when you go through the lyrics. Like, I mean, not listen to it when you can actually see the lyrics. I mean, they're, they're you know, I'm not stopping goody, but they're gross, vile. But there you have it. I've heard very few um, female or lady artists or anybody else mention it, you know, which I thought they might have said something about it. Well, when you move into the areas of hip hop, hip hop or R&B, rap, uh, the lyrics change greatly, you know. I mean, you're not like you're not going to compare those kind of lyrics with with the lyrics of an Adele song, for instance. You know what I mean? Different market. If Adele had met a nice guy when she was 17, she'd probably be married now with two kids and working in Tesco, but she met a, a bad one and it gave her a life experience. songs for the rest of her well, life. Well said, James. Well said. Okay, let me get some other opinions on this. Thank you for yours. Yeah. Appreciate it. That's yeah. Elvis Costello's Oliver's Army has gone to the, um, uh, as a, what, that, the music graveyard, I suppose. Uh, but at the same time, Cardi B hasn't. <laughs> Calling Red FM Studio? Call the new number. 0818-104-106. Okay, I've just got to our phone lines. Sharon's holding. I'll come back to her in a few minutes' time. John, good morning. Morning, you know. I know, I know I've been trying to get you on for a few days. My apologies for that. We have more no, changes in the coming now, in the, in the coming days, uh, possibly very even faster, that don't include your good self. And, you know, those changes have to do with uh, people who are close contacts who won't have to go isolate. They can just get on with their lives. And then uh, you know, even those who, who have been uh, vaccinated and test positive, their isolation periods cut from seven to ten. None of that from ten to seven. None of that applies to you. So any of the changes are for the vaccinated. How do you feel about that? Well, this idea, and it's still out there that NEPET were getting together a paper and presenting it to government, right? And the recommendation was that to consider mandatory vaccination, right? Now, to me, the alarm bells went off straight away because I know some countries like Austria and Germany and Italy are going down that road for people over 50 and people walking... I went through that on the air yesterday. I don't know if people heard it, but you're looking at maybe six or eight European countries that have put in restrictions. Most of them are for public health workers, but but, but there is one or two countries that are fining um, €100 per calendar month um, if you don't get vaccinated. Yeah, and what happens if you don't pay the fine? You end up it goes to 200 the next month and 300 the month yeah. after. Well, I mean, that, that's a, a, gross, a gross invasion of civil liberties, like you mean, and the, the right to actually exist on the planet. Um, but look, I'm, Michal Martin said they're not going down that road. But I just wonder, like you mean, because look, I've had a major problem since I really started this, because we're now living near in an apartheid state. 
you have all the people on there like we represent the Vintners Association and I know they're under pressure but unfortunately they're oper- operating in an apartheid system which locks 5% of the population who are unvaccinated which I happen to be one and a lot of my friends won't be allowed in yes all the people that are vaccinated and boosters that they're allowing in are now kicked out on the street at 8 o'clock so I can't get in and the people are vaccinated are being tossed out in the street at 8 o'clock the whole thing is in disarray now, I just wonder, there was just a wonder in me that if they had went down the road of mandatory here in this country, would the people have went along with us? Because I never thought I would see the day that the Irish population would just kind of go down and just get along with this. You couldn't travel over five kilometres. You couldn't see your mother and father or grandparents. Uh, no PP uh, personal protection was provided that you could hold their hand in their dying. You couldn't go into the graveyard only a, a miserable couple of mourners. I mean, it was a misery of stuff there, like, and people just went along with it. So I just wonder if the mandatory had been brought in, would people have just went along with it? Okay, incidentally, let's wait and see what happens with regards to Golfgate. Let's wait and see if anything ever happens with regards to the champagne quaffing party in the Department of Foreign Affairs. Uh, yeah, we know that the Healy Rays didn't get any sanction because the DPP didn't proceed with any case. We know what's going on in Downing Street and British government with all of the parties they're having. I mean, God, it was like a party almost every month last year, uh, while other people, of course, were being told they could only meet one person outdoors. I understand all of that. Yeah. Your your point being, would the 95% of people vaccinated march on the streets for the unvaccinated if there was a law brought in place for mandatory vaccination yeah, because I of civil liberties, is it? Yeah, I think there's a big question out there to know what people just say, look to hell to it. Look, I mean, if they're going to bring it in, we're vaccinated and to hell to the five or six percent that are not vaccinated. Now, why would there be a worry? Because you don't know where they, what they do next, is it? Well, well, you see, the trouble is, like, see, no politician, no political party has just addressed or no anyone representing the Vintners or the rest of them or anyone has said that if they get to go ahead again to open up 100% right, that are they still going to be told by the government that it still applies that you must forevermore know the present accord of being asked going into a premises are you vaccinated and if that be the case are they going to implement that because if that is the case me and forevermore forevermore that's what I'm saying yeah I mean but nobody has told me that am I eventually and all the people out there with the, in the 5% back of right, that are unvaccinated unboosted are we ever again going to be loaded so is, is, is there many people who are unvaccinated living in fear that it will always be this way well 100% I, I've met rakes of people that come up to me and ask me that like you can also see what's happening oh, as regards international travel no you've got a passport right and that passport is a sovereign legal document guaranteed by the Irish government that the bearer shall be uh, not hindered on their travel guaranteed by the Minister of Foreign Affairs guaranteed by the Irish government because it's a sovereign legal document Neil right yeah the, the booster vaccine that you no need to travel in Europe is not a sovereign legal document. It's part of the Emergency Health Act. It's not a sovereign legal document. So as no more passport and all the other people out there that are not vaccinated and boosters that want to take a foreign holiday is their Irish passport no redundant. You you could get your PCR though and do your antigens and PCRs before coming back and going out and everything and you could still travel, right? Well, I mean, apparently, no, they're bringing in the rule like, I mean, uh, that you have to have a booster and you're not travelling, and that's it. Where? Anywhere in Europe. When? 
No, that 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 came out last week. I mean, that they're, they're implementing the that the obviously the the first two or mid redundant. I mean, the first two vaccines. It's all down to the booster. No. So it's no a booster vaccine. You need not a COVID vaccine. So you, you, yeah, but if if you have no vaccinations and no boosters, are you saying that every single country is going to close down to everyone who's unvaccinated, and they won't even bother with a PCR? Well, I mean that seems to what's been told it out. And if you got to boost the vaccine to, uh, for international travel, you won't be allowed. No, that, again, that's up to the Irish government. I mean to stand up for their Irish citizens. As I said, is our passport no wide? And I, I, I listen to Paul Montgomery, who runs a very good house, uh, and all the houses that he have, and Billy McCabe, very good pubs, and they're great pubs to socialise with, Crane Lane, I've been in them all. But I'm sick and tired of listening to him, like, I mean, coming on. Why don't they band together and tell the government, listen, we cannot operate with the whole system at 8 o'clock, Neil, right? We need to go back to proper trading, right? Stand up, band together. Don't be coming on the radio shouting to Neil Prendival or someone else and some other station, right, I mean? And be look, because I'd be honest with you, I mean, I have much sympathy for them because for the simple reason they don't care about the likes of me. They're no, they're not. They're not. The system. They're not, actually. They're following the rules and the law and yeah, they're not shouting like, and roaring. They're, if, I mean, they're having... Well, well, you see, if they want to get back to normal trading, they have to gang, band together and tell the Irish government we cannot sustain our business going forward on this. They need to stand up and they need to set a date and they need to get a spokesperson or spokespeople for you know, you know that every day that passes, more of the unvaccinated population are getting vaccinated. Is that because of the worry and the fear that you're suggesting people think that this will go on forever? Well, I mean, there's a lot of the, the reason, let's be honest, I mean, it's not that people actually believe in the vaccine. It's, you, they wanted to go to Lanzarote on the holidays and they wanted to socialize, right? Especially the younger cohort. So they're taking a, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, is it fair to ask again why you won't get it? I'm terrified of it, and, and listening to the, the reports you got the last couple of days, with the side effects there, I'm doubly terrified now, and that's the reason, because th- th- this is a new vaccine, it, was, it got an emergency licence, it won't be fully licensed until 2023, and nobody knows going forward what the side effects of this, and what years I have left, Neil, I want to be healthy and hold on to my health, and I want to live a bit longer, and yeah. I'm terrified, and the people I've spoken to out there, they won't take it, that's the very reason, they don't trust it, They're terrified. Yeah, okay. Like my understanding of being able to travel, I know that some countries do and don't and I'll have to get a list of those that prevent people unvaccinated going to the country but it depends on the country, doesn't it? You can travel with negative PCRs but probably not everywhere. Not everywhere, no. Yeah, no, uh, no. Yeah. Well, if you want, there's a way of Like she's pushing for the, the mandatory um, booster vac- vaccination that you have to show that 100% otherwise you're going nowhere. Okay, okay, okay. Listen, food for thought. Let's see what people make of your conversation. Appreciate yeah, it, you. John. Cheers. You're going to hang in there, though. Under no circumstances will you ever, even on the on, on pain of not being able to fly in a plane or get into a pub, you're not, not going to change. Not, 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 not even in my cold dead arm. Right, okay, thanks for that, John. John O'Donovan, text 0868104106. Back after the break. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818104106. Cindy, you can also email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Johnny Boy, not everybody agrees with what you're saying. I'm watching the text coming in on this one already. Uh, someone says, uh, John was all for solidarity when it suited his agenda, when it involved the water charges. Now, can he please show his solidarity when it involves the health of the nation. Uh, he is just showing his true colours. And also, perhaps you might get an opportunity in the future to ask John if he would take medication in hospital if he got sick. 
Um, and there's more like that. So text 0868104106. Read out an email earlier on this morning. Some would call, perhaps call this person a busybody or being overly nosy or should mind uh, her own business. Um, do parents really think it's a good idea to take their kids out of school to go on holidays right now in the middle of a pandemic? Are they that desperate to get away? I see a parent whose kids are in my school. You could say barely in school because they're now away for the past week and have missed countless days this past year. It's interesting you know all of that. Uh, this same mother is one is the one all over Facebook ranting and raving the schools aren't safe for her kids and she doesn't want them in there. Yet, she'll take them on a plane to a foreign destination. The mind boggles. It's bad enough taking your kids out of school for a holiday, but in the middle of a pandemic... Have a bit of cop on. This same one will be all over Facebook when she comes back, going on about the case numbers and blaming Norma Foley for her kids not being able to go to school. But she would risk their safety to go on nothing more than just a selfish holiday. So that was the email. Text on that. Text 0868104106. Sharon, good morning. Hi, Nathan. How are you? Um, what do you, what, do you? Do you agree with her? Disagree with her? Is it any of her business? Oh, I absolutely disagree with her. Um, you, are you on a speakerphone, Sharon? Um... I've my earphones on, actually. All right. Just plug, like, just whip them out there and go back to okay. the old-fashioned way of chatting. One second. All right, take your time. Better? Could be better, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, actually, we're in Upper Glamour and the reception is so bad, so I'll have to go by the back door, <laughs> by the front door. Um, <laughs> it's a nightmare. Just yeah. day and age, I have to make a call. Um, You're grand now. So, you call yeah. her a horrible woman? Yeah, she is. I know the type though. She's she's up at the school. I mean, she's one of those ones who's up at the school first. You know, the school finishes at two or three, and she's there about half one, and um, <laughs> half one or half two, gossiping, <laughs> waiting around. You know, and she's spreading all the, the pies around the place. Uh, in, incidentally, maybe some people like to go to school early because they might be at home you all day. No, I know. I know. No, no, they get a parking space. But they also, this might be the only adult conversation they might have in the whole day. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of those and they just sit in their car and they're, they're or no, they might sit in their car and they, it's fine to have a bit of time to yourself. But you know, there's always a few who are up at the front gate. Yakety, yakety, yakety gossip, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's all yeah, like you don't mind if it's positive, but it's all negative. It's like, oh, who she thinks she is, and look at her with her brand new car, and you know, things, stupid things like. But that. is it is, is it not calling out somebody who's very strong on social media about the pandemic, and yet at the same time is pulling her kids out of school and heading to Tenerife for something? Yeah, I can see it from both sides, but well, I can't really see that, ladies. Um, is it, it the question is is it right is it fair is it safe to take them out yeah to be honest it's a matter of opinion it depends on the individual family because like I myself have suffered from like mental health issues when I had my second child I postnatal depression and ever since then I'm a lot more easy going I don't worry about silly things I I try not to get stressed you mm-hmm. know because Stress is a trigger. Yeah. And like when I'm up in that school and they're running around and they're not even looking at each other and they're all ready to, you know, they look really angry. And I'm like, oh, just not able for that. They're under, I, I suppose they're under pressure at a time when, I mean, if you think about you know, school quitting time, you mentioned traffic there and parking yeah. or trying to find somewhere near the school or yeah. waiting around and the anxiety and the stress of all the other things you have to do and you're caught in traffic and you've nowhere to park you know they're probably wound up you know yeah oh absolutely I've been there I've been there I'm kind of out the other side now you see because my 
my two daughters are going to secondary school. Um, one's in first year and one's in, in transition year. But the primary school was just mental. Our school in particular is just the parking is so bad and people people are nearly fighting with each other for the space, you know? Mm, mm, I know. And, uh, I know. And a lot of the time the schools are in residential areas and they don't have big, huge car parks to park up and wait. Exactly. But with regards yeah. to going on holidays during school um, times, is there, like, ever, is there I ever a time when that's okay? I don't think she's right or wrong, to be honest. I agree. It depends on the, the age of the kids as well. Like, are they in primary or are they in secondary? You know what I mean? Uh, it it doesn't say, but for some reason I'm, I'm inclined to think maybe primary school. I don't know why. Yeah, they probably are. Like, I, I wouldn't imagine, I wouldn't take my like, kids. Like, going on holidays in January, yeah. for instance, to a sun destination, maybe it's, maybe it's more to do with the adults who want to go away and are bringing the kids with them as opposed to wanting the kids to get a bit of sunshine. No, I think it's a, it's a family thing. Why January, though? Because it's a depressing month. Why not? You know? Are they safer out of school on a sun holiday then? Yes, I think they are. Like, friends of ours invited us, they went to Lanzarote for Christmas and they invited us to go, but we didn't because of COVID and everything else. They went off, they had a fantastic holiday for two weeks in the sun. We're sending pictures, 30 degrees, whatever. During during school during school no, days? No, no, no. Ah, sure, like that's... I mean, they were, no, but... Let me finish it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, they went anyway on Steams' Day for two weeks, but they invited us to go, and we didn't because of COVID. And they went off, had a fantastic holiday, and they came back, and they're, you know, they're great form, and they're nice and refreshed. And we ended up, my husband ended up catching COVID, so we were stuck in the house for 10 days, and we could have been over there, do you know what I mean? So. <laughs> I know. I know, but you, I know, but you can't win. Like you could equally have gone over, yeah. and all of them could have come back, and they could have all got COVID out there. They so could, you don't know; it's a lottery. No, but they they seem to be, I don't know. They seem to have a better handle on it yeah. over there. Yeah. Well, you for, for, do you think for your mental health, a bit of summer, a bit of uh, January sunshine? Yes. Yeah. Like myself and my husband, like my family, we go on. We probably go on about two or three holidays a year, but. People might think, oh, they must be loaded, or where are they getting all the money? Like, we, we rarely go out. I'm not into labels, you know what I mean? Yeah. I buy a lot of my clothes from... Yeah, some people like to travel and they save accordingly. Yeah, yeah. and that, yeah. that's our thing. Yeah. I'm so, not worried about, do you know what I mean? I, I don't spend a lot of money on clothes or anything like that, or the house. Is it anybody's business if somebody takes their children away in January that, during school that's hours? That's the point, that's the point. Should I'd we make. all just be minding our own business? Exactly. Yeah. She, do you know, she shouldn't be getting involved. If somebody said, somebody said by text, Neil, you were talking earlier on about the true figure. Well, it wasn't me. It was the papers were saying that there was probably 500,000 a week, 500,000 a week testing positive in Ireland over the past couple of weeks. Surely yeah. you'd be better off abroad, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's true. I totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree. And All I'd right. love to bloody move out there, to be honest. Because All right. Uh, and have you anything planned this year with a bit of sunshine and vitamin D? Oh, we do. We have, um, we have, it's actually not, not something we do every year, but it's, it's family, a trip of a lifetime. We're going to America. Wow. We're going to Orlando and then we're going on to Boston. My best friend lives in Boston, so we'll stay with her for five days. Oh, Florida and, then, and Boston. When's that booked yeah. for? It's booked for June. Oh, and, you're counting the days. And then we're going to New York after that. 
because my girls are teenagers now. I have a 13 and a 16 year old. And they, they've never seen New York. They and are so, going to give them the trip of a lifetime. Yeah, well done, exactly. Mammy. Well done. And I hope they appreciate it. They will appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the way kids do this. Maybe not, maybe not while they're there, but in years to come, they will. Yeah. I'm sure they went to Australia. We went to Australia about, five, about four or five years ago because my baby brother lives over there. And... Um, Australia, yeah. I loved Australia once... I'm not sure that I'd ever want to go back again. I think for me, oh, you were in the wrong, in the wrong place. I know I did. I did fantastic. I did the best of things down there because my sister's down there and she planned loads of things. But once it was all done and all of the long travel and everything, that's grand. That's ticked. You would come home. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I never kind of ever got a nurse. <laughs> never got a nurse to want to go back. <laughs> well, I lived there for a year when I was 21. I went off when I was 21 with my friends. Two of my friends. Well done. Karen and Orla. And, yeah, and, um, yeah, and <laughs> my mum was a nervous wreck because I'm the only girl, they five brothers. And she uh, she was afraid in case I'd never come back. I know, I, and I, that I happens too. All right. <laughs> Listen, it's lovely chatting yeah. with you. I'm glad the I phone line you. worked out. Take care, Thank Sharon. You. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Okay, Bye. is it any of our business whether kids are taken out of school to get a bit of summer or get a bit of sunshine in January. Text 0868104106. Now, competition time just before I love you and leave you. A little bit of audio I want to play as well. Can you talk to me about that audio if you don't mind, Emer, just in a second because you can explain it better than me. So these three songs, artists and titles in the right order, please, for a... We have two winners, callers 10 and 11, a €150 Euro voucher each for Satori Clinic. And they're down on Langford Row in the city. You can get acupuncture, cupping, acupressure and lots of other treatments like this. These are the three songs. Get dialing now, 0818-104-106. Seamer's just giving me some audio here. Apparently, it was referencing the Djokovic story again this morning. The Djokovic case for him is coming off the tracks a bit now, apparently, because of the statement that he made in the um, you know the uh, forms that he filled out before he travelled. Um, but I did all that earlier this morning. Apparently, this is two Australian newsreaders who are now in hot water over their off-air comments on Channel 7 News about Djokovic. Uh, they called him an a-hole. Uh, they thought they were off air, but the camera was still rolling. This, uh, they, I haven't heard it, so this is broadcastable, is it? She's nodding her head. Whatever way you look at it, none of that Djokovic is a lying, sneaky, Like, whatever way you look at it, it's yeah. unfortunate that, that everybody else stuffed up around him. That, that's it. To go out when you know you're COVID positive. Well, yeah. I don't think he was even COVID positive. Oh, I, I think that form is true. You've got to pull excuse me fell over his own lies, which is what happens, right? Yeah. That's what's happened. And then him now then ticking he didn't go to Spain. Yeah. It's just like... Yeah, yeah. Oh, but I think, I think he's going to get away with it. Well, he is going to get away with it. Yeah, I just... But he's... Just, I think well, most fair-minded people would say, look, the bloke's enough. Well, did we... Did they, did they do the right thing by him? I don't know. No, I don't. I, I don't... I don't think so. That's the problem, isn't it? I don't think, I don't think anything was gained by putting him in no in immigration. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But the trouble is, how do you justify that person's on the same plane with him who also has? He can't justify it. But the fact is, life is never fair. Yeah. Some people fly first class, and some yeah. people. Do you know what? I, like, yeah. it's never fair. But that poor Czech girl that was I sent know. home. 
had it down and sent home. Wyatt, <laughs> <laughs> that happened live. The cameras continued to roll. They thought they were chatting off air, but why didn't anybody kill the camera? Why didn't anybody kill the sound? Why did it just keep rolling? Why did it even get broadcast? I think someone leaked it actually. It was an outtake. Yeah, I think it was probably a pre-wreck and someone leaked it. Someone in-house leaked it. It's fairly damning stuff. Awful what they said. But an awful thing to do to leak it. I I know. Whoever, someone's in trouble anyway internally I would say. I'm just trying to get some details. Is there murder over it? Murder? It's gone viral as they say. (laughs) On the line. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'd say I, there could be people fired. I don't know. I mean, they're just having a kind of shoot in the breeze chat. Like. chat. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they called him an a-hole and effing this and effing that. And she says she didn't believe him that he never had COVID in the first place. But like, and really there's a bit of banter going on. I understand all of that. And much of it they shouldn't have engaged in. But to leak it then makes it an even worse in a completely different way, doesn't it? I know, it? and especially when there's a visual and audio. So there they are in their glad rags chatting away. Oh God, Messing with their microphone mic, and trying to get his earpiece in and everything. Oh. And then, of course, the cynic in me would wonder, did they do it intentionally because of all the publicity That's they're now getting for thing, Channel 7 yeah. News? Is it a setup? Is it a TikTok thing? <laughs> God. Oh my God. It's an interesting I mean, story. It's the gift that keeps on giving, isn't he? It's very funny, actually, because you know the way with live mics and what have you heard that Phil Burke caught with a big um, uh, Cully and Sully soup belch on the air the other day. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've gotten caught for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> live mics and all that. <laughs> anyway, I'm out of time. We'll pick it up in the morning and uh, we've had two competition winners again this morning 150 euro voucher each for Debbie Ryan and Toker and is it Venia Donovan lovely name not quite sure where you are but there's one for you as well Uh, pick it up in the morning guys have a good day I'll see you tomorrow thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content